On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are doing a college basketball preview of all previews. I mean that literally, Tate. I don't mean that as like a way to hype up our own preview. That is going to come later. We we are still in the process of fleshing out our previews. I promise we are going to uh, to roll them out. But as we were as we were researching for our previews, Tate, we mm-hmm. were like laughing at all the previews that are already out there, and we were like, "What if we did a show where we preview the previews themselves?" Yes, yes. We like to go meta with things. We like to <laughs> yeah. go hat on a hat with things. So we said, "We'll take your previews that you put out. We'll take your information that you've done the research on. We'll yeah. compile all that. We'll give our own take on your takes, and then we'll do our own preview later." But first, we want to do a preview of all previews. And obviously, there's a lot of important things going on. But this may be the most important. This is uh, this is the, I I think this honestly might be the most important thing going on today in America. Just dive in. You and I. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this because yeah, it, it is it is college basketball season as we've said, and uh, it's time to gear up and get ready, and that's what we're doing. We're 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 doing all the research, but but man, so many of our colleagues were were chomping at the bit, ready to get their previews out. They they rolled them out a little too soon, a little premature, I'd say. Like it's mm. it's definitely college basketball season, but now what are you going to do between now and the next few weeks? Is what I would say to them. You know, mm. like they're they're throwing mm. out the previews a little too soon. Uh, but thankfully, Tate and I are going to uh. uh analyze all the previews get a get a sense of where the season is headed so then that way we can hit the ground running when we do our own previews uh we're also going to talk to elijah hughes former uh Mm -hmm. syracuse orange basketball player best player on syracuse this past season uh he is he is in the 2020 nba draft so we we sat down with him talked to him a little bit about the draft process and we got our own version of closure we right we didn't get to see elijah hughes play in march madness so we said elijah sit down with us talk with us tell us about jim Beheim, and then go get drafted and be great I don't think it has anything to do with coronavirus that we didn't see him play in March Madness, if we're being no. fair. But uh, I don't think history needs to bring that up. I think we just like pretend that that, that is one thing that's he had, going to he had happen. a strong run in March. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah, had a great like, March. Yeah, just gotta everyone who missed the tournament. Just yeah, same with North Carolina. We mm. don't have to mention that North Carolina was not did not miss the tournament. The tournament yeah. did never it never happened. You, know, <laughs> you can't miss good. a tournament that doesn't yeah. happen. We're all good. That's on the agenda today. We're gonna get to all of it, but first, Woody Durham. All right, Tay, we're recording this on Monday. Uh, it is November 2nd as we speak, about 3 p.m. on the West Coast. Um, my question to you, Tate, as everyone is rushing to the polls to have their voice be heard, we, we need your opinions on a debate that is sweeping this country. It is ripping apart the fabric of our society, and it is this. Is it Christmas season after Halloween, <laughs> officially? Because I, I strongly say no. Walmart says yes. <laughs> CVS says yes. Walgreens says yes. The, the corporations, they tell us yes. In fact, you could be going to buy Halloween candy and there is Christmas decorations right yeah. in front of your face. And everyone has that moment. They're like, you're just a little too early here. But I do think that Thanksgiving deserves its own proper three-week yeah. shine. Uh, and I think that's what it is right now. It's three weeks to to a big meal that we all have with our families and people go home, and it sounds like in the college basketball, college space, people are going to be – students will be sent home around you know this yeah. time early on. The golden window. The golden window. The golden is window when, is coming. That, <laughs> and once the window is open, that is when you know basically we are in Christmas season. I got to say, 
uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. The golden window still just sounds like a euphemism to me. Every time I, I see anybody mention the phrase golden window, which is almost exclusively John Rothstein, but uh, anytime the phrase golden window, you can is go used, ahead and take almost out of there. It is basically <laughs> yeah. us and John Rothstein that refer to it as yeah. the golden window. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel the same way I do. It's uh, it, it is disgusting. We, we are it's a gross. few years away from uh, Halloween and Christmas just merging together into one mm-hmm. holiday. Mm-hmm. That uh, we're wearing people, costumes on Christmas. Yeah, we just we just dress up as Santa on on Halloween. Like that is yeah. <laughs> that is the moment. I'm glad I'm glad we addressed that out of the gate. Uh so some college basketball news and notes before we get to the preview of all previews. Uh, mm-hmm. we we have a few things we should probably hit. Number one, Mac McClung is eligible at Texas Tech now. He has finally received his waiver. I feel like he was the last big name guy. Now that Olivier Saar uh, got his waiver at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Felt like Mac McClung, at least for me, he was the last one that we were kind of waiting on to see. And uh, lo and behold, he's going to be eligible for Texas Tech this year. Texas Tech is going to be very good, by the way. Yes, yeah, very good team. And they're going to be, uh, we're going to get into tiers later, but they're, they've they basically moved up into tier one with Mac McClung wow. coming back. Uh, return of the Mac. Everyone is very excited about this. So, you know, Kansas fans are not excited because it's not a guaranteed Big 12 win for them this year because of Mac McClung. And that's what the people are saying. Not me, the people. The tears, uh, as you, you, you seem to think we're going to get to tears later. I, I assume that you are very excited to talk tears. Um, is that a thing? Because I noticed this too. When I'm looking through all the all the previews, I saw Three Man Weave was doing tears. Mm. Uh, I saw our colleague Andy Katz was doing tears. Obviously, Seth Greenberg has been a tear guy for a long time. For years. Tears uh, for years. Yeah. <laughs> He's been doing tear talk for, for ages. How did this happen, Tate? How did tears become the, the all the talk of college basketball? I don't know because I feel like what happened in college basketball is that we lost the premier voices that used to carry us. And then when we lost the, you know, the, the baton leader, whoever it may be, we let Seth Greenberg slide into that seat and start <laughs> talking about tears. And, uh, you know, as we're talking about all the previews, you know, you go around and you try to find, you know, the Jay Billis. What does Jay Billis think about the ACC this year? It's, it's wrong. Hard. <laughs> it's hard to find. You know, we, we get Jay Billis saying things like, I don't think we're going to get 68 teams in the tournament. I, I'd be yeah. surprised if 68 teams make the tournament. That's what yeah. he's talking about. So we don't have that anymore. And then you kind of like a Jay Williams, right? He's a younger guy. You may want to look up and see what he's doing. He's not writing articles about this. No, he's oh, not yeah. even a college basketball guy anymore, Tate. He's, he's gone the, he's, the way he's of broad. Uh, he's a he's generalist. A yeah. <laughs> yeah, Un- he's unlike, a unlike you and I who uh, stick to college basketball at all times. Yeah on our show um <laughs> god damn it Jewel. people forget that uh uh jimmy dykes was the og tier talk mm. he just packaged it as like first class coach you remember he used to do that yeah. during like yeah. sec broadcast he'd be mm-hmm. like all right here's how i see it i think kentucky yeah. is flying first class in fact i must say kentucky's flying the plane i got tennessee and lsu at first class rounded <laughs> like he'd be like old miss is in the toilet right now <laughs> <laughs> jimmy dykes yeah, tier talk has become a thing. I don't know how it happened, but uh, I blame Seth Greenberg for this. Mm. We're, we're going to get to tier talk in a little bit, but I just wanted to point that out that this is a, a thing that is happening across college basketball, and it feels unique to college basketball. I don't know. I don't really see this in other sports. I don't see people like um, breaking down the tiers of MLB. Mm. Like these are the, I don't know, maybe they are, but it's 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 not a widespread thing, at least like it has become in our sport. Uh, a couple other notes today. Utah is out of what, what I guess we're calling zombie Atlantis. I don't know. Is mm. there an official name for this mm-hmm. zombie battle for Atlantis uh, that was moved to South Dakota? Uh, you, you might remember Tate Duke backed out of it almost immediately. I think the Duke backed out of it before they even moved the thing. It felt yep. like. Uh, so then Dayton takes Duke's place. Well, now Utah has backed out of zombie Atlantis over fears of spiking coronavirus cases in South Dakota. Uh, so South Dakota State has taken Utah's spot. 
uh, but Zombie Atlantis lives and is going to be played in the Pentagon. And uh, there's still some decent teams. Ohio State will be there. Dayton's going to yep. be there, as I said. West Virginia will be there. I think Memphis is going. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's a vote. And we support the Sanford Pentagon on this program. We have already put it out to the world via Duncan Robinson that it is a premier place to shoot the basketball and score the basketball. So people will be watching. Uh, <laughs> you, got, you have to make shots and you, at the Sanford Pentagon. All the conditions are right for you to do just that. It, it's facts. And if you're Duke, I, I do think that Duke's going to be looking at their MTE and they're going to be saying to themselves, man, I wish we were in the Sanford Pentagon right now. Matt Jones. Um, Kentucky Sports Radio, Matt Jones, mm. uh, he, he tweeted, I think this was last night I saw this, he says that he is hearing word, his sources are telling him, that Kentucky is trying to salvage Big Blue Madness, Tate. They, he is, he is mm. hearing that Kentucky is going to try to have a Big Blue Madness in a couple weeks. There will be no fans. It'll be at Memorial Stadium, which is the old Kentucky home. Wow, I didn't even mean to do that as I started yeah. talking, but they're, yeah. they're old Kentucky home, uh, and it'll be on SEC Network. Is this surprising in the slightest that John Calipari, this, this, this is like, like John Calipari, if, if you put a gun to his head, you're like, you have to save one, the NCAA tournament or Big Blue Madness where you can own all of college basketball and all eyes mm. will be on you and Drake will show up mm-hmm. and shoot half quarters with Brad Calipari. Which one are you taking? He's like, duh. Big yes, Blue Madness. Yes, madness. yes, yes. Midnight Madness, you know what it is. I think that's uh, it's also a staple of college basketball. And I feel like that actually gives me a little bit of uh, solace knowing the fact that Coach Cow is in form, that yeah. B- Big Blue Nation is ready to go. Like, they want to have a badness event. And they also have the swag of the freshmen that want – like, BJ Boston, I guess, wants to have this event. And that's the reason that Cal wants to put it on. It's for his kids, and his kids can go show out and dance, do the John Wall, do whatever they need to do. And then he hopefully can mature them into guys in January as we yep. move on. Uh, well, this is for the kids. As yeah, they say, we're going to talk about it when we do our previews, whether Cal likes his team, because I, I you, you can always get a sense of where the Kentucky season is headed right around this time of year. Based on if John there's Calipari's. a madness event, he likes the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we're really diving Bill into Self it. is waiting right now to put yeah. out that he's coming back to do another madness event. And yes, Snoop Dogg is back. He will be reprising his role and there will be no fans, but it will be live streamed on Twitch and OnlyFans. Uh, Jim Beheim was asked, would you be doing a madness event? And he was like, absolutely not under no circumstances <laughs> am i doing that bullshit no, ever never never <laughs> buddy shoot just, some more free throws uh finally the last note i had we are as of this recording we are 23 days away from the start of college basketball season tate uh the champions classic traditionally is the event that kicks off tips off i guess we should mm-hmm. say not kicks off it depends on if Grayson Allen's playing. Yeah, Grayson. Hey, hey how about out. that one? He's out. <laughs> it traditionally tips off the college basketball season. Uh, we are, as I said, we're 23 days away. And as of right now, we still do not know if the Champions Classic is going to be played. All Most signs point to yes, it is still going to be played, but we don't, we don't have confirmation just yet. Secondly, we if even if we do have confirmation of that, we we don't know where it's going to take place. There, there, mm-hmm. the rumor now is that it's going to happen on campus that like Michigan State will go to Duke. Maybe Kentucky goes to Kansas and they just play it that way. But then also Indy is apparently still on the table. They might play it in Indianapolis. So yeah, that's seems to be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big it's a big point of emphasis, but we also have always joked on this program, or at least I have, a focus on the fact that it's the champions classic, but it means nothing, right? So they yeah. basically bring these same four teams and it's a showcase. We saw Zion, we saw Tyler Hero, but usually the game doesn't give us much uh, you know, detailing what we're gonna see for the rest of the season. But if Duke agrees to this and has the audacity to play another home game in Cameron Indoor and get another home game, that would be incredible. 
And then for Kansas, I think this is where you get the madness moment, right? You bring Kentucky in to Lawrence, Kansas, and then you do the show out that mm. night before the game, and you make mm. it there. You do it in front of them. You stunt yeah. on them. Uh, yeah. And then all the Kentucky five stars are like, dang, I wish I would have gone to Kansas. No, you do you do like the you do big what, what do they call it? It's fog night in the fog, the fog <laughs> night the f- one foggy night. Like yeah, what the hell is I, it called? I can't remember what it is, but yeah, yeah. Let's just call it one foggy night. <laughs> Snoop fog. <laughs> Snoop foggy fog. <laughs> uh it's called late night in the fog. So they late basically it, it's late night with Roy. I guess it used to be announced late night I in get the fog. You. So yeah. Yeah, there you go. As you said, Champions Classic, they call it the Champions Classic. These four programs that take part in the Champions Classic have won two national titles in the last 10 years. Yep. Villanova has won two national titles in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Villanova has won two national titles in the last four years. Mm. So it really makes you think. People forget. Mm-hmm. Villanova. Is Villanova more of a champion than the four in the Champions Classic? North Carolina one shot away from being in that same group. Mm-hmm. People, well, people want to point Villanova well. and North Carolina couldn't both win two national titles. Exactly. That. that could have been us. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> One shot away. Congratulations, Chris Jenkins. <laughs> you did it. Uh, so all of this uncertainty about like the Champions Classic and these scheduling things, that, that takes us to, to the point of our show today, which is we're going to do uh, previews of the previews. These are not our previews. As I said, we're going to do, we're fleshing out our previews. We're going to have multi-show previews. Uh, it's going to be a big, we're going to put thing. in the work. Yeah. We're, we're going to do a full thing. This is more yep. of, as we're putting in the work, we have keen observations, uh, yep. about the state of college basketball preseason media. We are setting the stage. So when you listen to our preview shows, you're not completely mm-hmm. blindsided by what we're talking about. Cause there are a lot of people that listen to the program that do not follow college basketball, particularly closely. Tate. So we are just like kind of dipping your toes back into the water. So when we do our previews, we can cannonball mm-hmm. in. Uh, so anyway, all of the uncertainty going on that we just talked about, I feel like we should maybe be start there because reading through everyone's previews, going over the landscape of college basketball, trying to get a grasp on what to expect, where we're headed, what are the overarching narratives and themes and all that kind of stuff. I guess coronavirus is still a thing. <laughs> I guess that's we should start maybe there. I, I would say uncertainty is the big word in college mm. basketball this year for two reasons. One, it's the future. We have uncertainty about the future. The schedules still aren't even set. Uh, who knows as game, what's going to happen with games are canceled, uh, uh, how they're going to make them up. Or are they just going to cancel them? What the protocols are? We're still not exactly clear on those. Uh, I, at least I'm not. I haven't heard anything about like, like is the Big Ten doing a 21-day protocol mm-hmm. like they're doing with football like, or a 21-day you know, if you test positive, you're out for 21 days. Is that going to happen in basketball too? I assume it is, but they haven't really said it is. A lot of uncertainty as we look to the future. But also, I think what the point that needs to be made is with the uncertainty part is the lack of the NCAA tournament last year creates uncertainty with just trying to like suss out who's good, who's not, because mm-hmm. we lost out on, I mean, Iowa would be a great example. I, I, I think maybe we'll get into a bit longer discussion a little later in the show about Iowa, but uh, Iowa to me is a polarizing team coming into the season. And they, they have the best player in the country, Luca Garza. He is the only uh, first team all American. He's the only for, first or second team all American who is returning to school. Jared Butler is the, the only other all American. If you include 13 guys. So like basically the whole All-American team is gone, except for Luka Garza and Jared Butler. Iowa has the best player in the country, but as we've said many times, they do they play defense? We don't know. But does that matter? Because they're so good offensively that, you know, if you give up two points down... If, you, if your defense gives up two points every time down the floor, but your offense is scoring three, who gives a shit? You win the mm-hmm. game. So uh, do we really... Is that really that big of a deal? If we had an NCAA tournament last year, maybe we have a strong data point. Maybe we have, like, 
that to go off of. If Iowa loses in the second round, we could be like clarity. No. We would yeah. have some sort of idea what they look like in the tournament. Yeah. Get these frauds out of my face. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Or conversely, Iowa goes to the final four last year. Iowa goes to the elite eight, whatever. But like we, we, we lost out on a massive data point uh, coming into the preseason as to how good Iowa is. That is true of a lot of schools. That is true of a lot of players. Uh, and I think that creates all the uncertainty, like Wisconsin, I, not to make it all about the big 10, I promise we'll talk about other schools, but like, uh, on it, like those are just the first two that come to mind. Wisconsin's another great example. Wisconsin was dog shit for most of the year. All the Wisconsin fans hated their team. Greg guard was semi on the hot seat. Not really, but like the colloquial hot seat where it's just mm-hmm. like, I hate my coach right now. So I'm going to say he's on the hot seat. Then all of a sudden Wisconsin wins eight in a row in March. They, they, they get a share of the the a third of the Big Ten title, and they got some momentum going. And it's like, wow, is Wisconsin going to use this and go on an NCAA tournament run? We'll never know. So like now, yeah, maybe Wisconsin gets to the NCAA tournament. We find out they're frauds, and we're not really that high on them coming into this season. Anyway, all of the uncertainty to me is like the big focal point, which is not a surprise in the slightest. It's also going to be a whole story, I feel like, in college basketball. Yes, uncertainty. In fact, they have a whole section in college basketball. It's like coronavirus-related features, which is all like, you know, will we have fans this season in college Mm -hmm. basketball with those questions being answered? And then, you know, what will the protocols be for certain conferences? This is why Orlando, you know, the ESPN event down in Orlando didn't happen because apparently conferences couldn't agree with each other to to put Mm -hmm. it on. And so all of that will be, you know, the, the conversation regarding everything college basketball which is like what is what is this going to look like and then with even you and i as we have people around us you know reach out and they say what's going to happen with college basketball we tell them about the Maui invitation we say it's going to happen in nashville we're going to be there we're going to be in a bubble uh it's still being it's still being worked out at this point in time so that's why all the previews like athlon sports i always wait for athlon sports like put out their magazine preview and read through that they haven't even put anything out because they're, yeah. they're like, we don't even know what this season looks yeah. like. We can't give you a definitive preview because what does that even mean? And yes, we've had NCAA tournaments that have had smaller fields. We've had you know weird, shorter scheduled seasons throughout history. So there is a precedent to be set. But the real mm-hmm. question is, will people rely on any sort of you know precedent? Are people just going to make their decisions independently for themselves? And that's going to create chaos. And uh, that's why Jay Billis, yeah. like I said at the top of the show, is like, I don't know if we even have 68 teams that will be able to go to an NCAA tournament bubble situation. So that right. is like right. the, the, the big ghost that like kind of lives in, in the cloud that lives over college basketball the entire season. It was like even the smaller points, like I want to talk about is Luca Garza a, a fraud or is he going to be <laughs> yeah, exactly. know, the national player of the year, right? And that should be the driving conversation. But instead, and we have to address this one thing first and then it's everything. My thoughts on Luca Garza were 100% going to be decided by how well Iowa did in its turn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Proof in the I was play. just going to overreact to Iowa's NCAA tournament run last year. Uh, the other thing with the uncertainty, we we did not get this this offseason uh, foreign trips mm. where, where teams are going overseas or uh, as is the case when I was at Ohio State, our foreign trip was literally the closest foreign soil to Columbus, Ohio. We drove like basically over the the USA Canada border, cro- crossed into Windsor, uh, right right over the the border of Detroit Windsor, and then we basically just parked the bus and we're like, yeah, let's just play here. And I I was looking around like this is absolute bullshit because the rumor was <laughs> that we're going to Italy. I was like, oh, this is gonna be so cool. I get to spend a week in Italy, and then the, and then Coach Mata was like, uh, you know what? Screw all that. I'm not trying to f- travel across the world. Let's just 
Where, where, where's the closest we can go? <laughs> yeah, can we cross the border? Why, like, can, why can we cross the border? You tell me. Uh, but no, we, we did not get these foreign trips uh, from from schools this year, which uh, is, is always fun as well because you you read way too much. And the most famous example uh, of us Ball. reading. Oh yeah, Louis. Well, that was an actual that was an actual game though. Oh yeah, that's true. that, that yeah. started the season. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say Mike Dom getting smoked by the Canadians mm. because he went vegan, and then yeah, and then he was like, "I'm done with that." I'm he denounced veganism back. after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's, that's always fun when, uh, I remember, uh, uh, there were teams that were playing in Spain not too long ago. Was it Michigan that was losing like crazy? And like all my buddies were texting me. They're like, Michigan keeps losing on their foreign trip. What does this mean? And I was like, mm. like inside it, internally, I knew it meant nothing, but like externally, I was like, it means they're garbage. Get excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's obvious. Uncertainty is the big thing. What else as you're, as you're going through, like to tell the people, like what are themes that to expect from this season, all that kind of stuff. The theme is that Gonzaga is no longer a mid-major. I, mm-hmm. I think that is going to be one of the conversations that we see throughout the entire year. We always, every single big, uh, big journalist, you know, that we have in college basketball, they do their three all American teams. Usually they give you your player of the year. They give you like a freshman of the year to watch out for, which is usually going to be Kate Cunningham. We're going to see that on the list. Yeah. And then they always do, you know, they throw the bone. We have the, uh, the mid major situation where we find out about guys that are, you know, the, the Chris Clemens of the world at Campbell. It's, it's just and, a flex. It's like yes, these guys, yes. they, yeah, all, all of our, all of our media brethren are like, you know, they don't want to be accused of not watching the little guys. So they, yeah. they, they put together, their preseason mid-major teams yeah yeah so we have like for me i'll just do that right now i'll flex isaiah miller uncg you know the socon player of the year last year going to be a senior going to be a star uh that i'm going to throw that name out there colby ross pepperdine Mm. i'm going to throw that name out there so that's what's happening uh and i think the big theme this year is that gonzaga used to sometimes be grouped in that class and we would get you know uh a name from a gonzaga team that would be thrown in there i'm trying to think of what era when we maybe pargo jeremy pargo jeremy would pargo, probably yeah. be in Kevin the mid-pangos yeah 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 yeah. they would be in the mid-major JP group batista there you go we, we just keep throwing them out they would be in the josh heifelt they would be in the ronnie turiaf yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they we just, just keep... go back should we do a podcast where we yeah. just go back and forth naming gonzaga players until yeah, someone yeah. repeats or <laughs> Or someone can't think of what that's basically what this should be at this point. But regardless, David if Stockton, <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Gonzaga fan, Nigel Williams, guys, and you're very <laughs> excited about this season because this is the first year that you can skip all of the BS yeah. of being a mid major. You are a major program, you are the preseason number one, and for most, you know, top guys that put together a preview list. So, for that, I would say the big theme is Gonzaga's over the hump, they're officially in blue blood. Yeah. They're, they're like lowercase blue blood, like we said with Creighton. They're in that territory, and they may go capital letters this year with the national championship, mm. and that would be something else. Mm. That's that's so – Big theme. Are, are you saying – hold on. When you say that they're lowercase blue blood like Creighton, are you putting them on the same tier, or are they lowercase – because I, I think Gonzaga has to be lowercase blue blood tier mm. one. Creighton mm. would be lowercase blue blood tier two or three. Mm. Mm. Two. I think two. This yeah. year, two. Maybe <laughs> maybe next year they drop down to three, but this year they have a real chance, so they're on tier two. Out- when we do our previews, we should put out a graphic of all of our tiers. It's just like every tier has one team, and it's just a very hyper-specific. And we get 68 tiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the Leonard Hamilton tier, and the only team yeah. is Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> this tier is... Scott True tier. The, the lowercase blue blood tier one tier is Gonzaga. It's yeah. capital blue, lowercase blood, and that's where they are right now. <laughs> I love it. Uh, since you brought up Gonzaga, I want to mention one thing that stood out to me pouring through all these previews. 
Gonzaga seems to be the consensus number one team in the country. They're not, I wouldn't say unanimous. Yep. yep. Some people like Baylor. Some people want to get crazy, throw Villanova, Virginia up there. But Gonzaga is probably the consensus. And uh, one thing that stood out to me, as, as you notice that Gonzaga is the consensus, then you start looking at All-American teams. As you said, no, no Gonzaga players are popping up on these mid-major All-American teams because people mm-hmm. don't consider Gonzaga mid-major anymore. Mm-hmm. But weirdly enough, Tate, no Gonzaga players are really popping up on the major teams either, mm-hmm. which, which stands out to me because Gonzaga, like the college basketball world has, has decided Gonzaga is the team to beat this year. And yet mm-hmm. there doesn't really seem to, we have a, we have a classic Villanova situation of trying to figure out who the best player on the team is. We have uh, on, on CBS's first team, CBS puts out their all American team. They have Corey Kisper. He's he, they, they declared him a first team all American, but it kind of mm-hmm. felt like, like, to be honest, that's the only first team or really like, I don't, I don't know. That was like the only, that was definitely the only first team I saw any Gonzaga player show up on. And mm-hmm. on all the lists that I've been looking at was, was CBS through Corey Kisper on there. And it felt like a token pick. I don't know if it was or not, but it just kind of felt like they were like, eh, we have to put the best player on. Who, the who is the guy that we know on Gonzaga from last year? I mean, every single right. time that you read the blurb about Gonzaga as the top team, the, the number one stat that they show is that they have five guys that played 14 or more minutes per game. And it didn't yeah. say 14 points per game. Corey, Corey Kispert game, so. is like the Luke May pick where it's like, yeah, I guess, I guess he's the guy. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think like so. if you really like North Carolina, you're like, I guess I got to make Luke May like the favorite to win ACC player of the yeah. year, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Like, I guess. Uh, so Kispert's for on, on CBS's first team. Rothstein has Kispert on his third team. Uh, Goodman has drew Timmy on his third team. That's the only yeah. Gonzaga player on, on Goodman's team. Uh, heat check, uh, uh, has Joel IIE as their second team and, and drew Timmy as third team. Some, a couple of the guys on, on, on heat check there. So my point Tate is we have Joel IIE, uh, drew Timmy. We have, uh, Corey Kispert. Meanwhile, Jalen Suggs is the five-star point guard that mm. might actually be the best player on the team. He's probably the best NBA prospect on the team. I, I just find the whole thing fascinating because uh, traditionally, if you have a team this good, who's like everyone's looking at and you're like, wow, this team is the team to beat. I don't, th- there's going to be a lot of guys sprinkled throughout the all American teams. And I guess we have that, but like if you were, if you were setting odds on, on the question, will Gonzaga have an all American? Yes or no. Like no seems to a first team all American. No seems to be the heavy favor, right? Yeah. That's I mean, weird. It- that's, and, that's Tim, and Timmy played behind Petrusev last year and Killian Tilly. So, I mean, he's already been behind. You know, it's kind of funny with Gonzaga. There's always seems to be one guy in front of a really great player with like a Zach Collins type situation. We saw in the title game with Karnowski. But uh, even with that, if Timmy has this great year and kind of blows Timmy! Up, Timmy! Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what we help with his brand. Kelly Olenek. <laughs> <laughs> we just get, maybe we build his brand that way. But like you said, there's no guy that stands out of the team. Suggs is probably the best bet. But even when you kind of look at the freshmen that everyone points Josh out. Josh Perkins. <laughs> All the Gonzaga fans are getting upset. Yeah. They're like, we get it. You watch yeah. some games yeah. of ours. <laughs> You know some of our players. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I, th- there is no guy that you could point to. Kispert's going to get. It's going to be the end of the the end of the year. We're going to have the Villanova situation where we look yeah. at it and we say who is the best player, Gonzaga, and there's going to be five different answers. And mm-hmm. I think Suggs will probably be the guy that is the best answer because he looks the part. And it feels it feels to me like we're going to have uh, a situation where Suggs is the Mikael Bridges, where yes, you and I are very high on him. We're like, oh my god, this guy can mm-hmm. do things that no one else can do in college basketball. 
Mm. And then the rest of the college basketball media are going to be like, yeah, but Corey Kispert is the heart and soul. So, we, mm. and everyone knows it. And we're going to be like, I don't think everyone does know that. I think, I think everyone knows that the best player should be given the awards for the best player. Personally, that's how I feel about it. But uh, no, that, that's, that's something to monitor. We'll say that's something to watch. Cause that is <laughs> that, that does stand out to me that typically um, a team as good as Gonzaga would, would there'd be some clarity there, but um, there's not, and especially in a situation, as I said earlier, where, uh, it's not like we have a lot of all Americans coming back. It's not like mm-hmm. the whole. It's not like three or four first team all Americans are back, and that's the reason why. Uh, it is a clean slate, and still people are are seemingly not putting Gonzaga guys on their first team all American team. So, and it does feel like the the Gonzaga bump for them to be number one and most, like you said, it's not unanimous, but it is consensus. There is the hesitation because of Baylor being in the Big Twelve, having the little brother syndrome to Kansas, mm-hmm. and having the fact that all the cards are stacked in the favor of Baylor, you know, having a real run this year. And usually, historically, that ends up being a hiccup. So yeah. I think a lot of people are just well, kind of like hesitant to make that final push to say they're going to be the best team in basketball. Well, that brings me to a, a, a point that stood another point that stood out to me. If we can pivot away from Gonzaga, you, you mentioned yeah. Baylor. I ask you this question, Tate. Do you think that in the 2020, 2021, my God, a lot of 20s. Uh, <laughs> that's a lot of 20s. The 2020, 2021 season, are we still going to be a Blue Blood podcast? Are we mm. a podcast that is going to mm. cater to the Blue Bloods? Uh, you know, that that is the big criticism that people hate from us is that all we talk about is Zion. All we talk about is Duke. All we talk about is the Blue Bloods. All we talk about, you guys only talk about the teams that a general audience is interested in. I don't understand why you do that. But as I'm looking at the landscape of college basketball mm. this year, Tate, the four the four big blue bloods, the four that get mentioned on every blue blood list are Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, and Carolina, right? An argument could be made, and in fact has been made many times over in many of these previews I'm reading, that none of those four are favored to win their own conference this year, mm. which I don't know when the last time that happened. Baylor would be is, seems to be the favorite over Kansas in the Big 12. The SEC is more of a toss-up between Tennessee and Kentucky, but you know a lot of people think Tennessee is is, is going to be the favorite, and uh, in the ACC, Virginia seems to be the pick. Um, whether they're going to end up being the the favorite or not, I don't know, but that's where uh, the the college basketball world seems to have settled, and uh, that seems noteworthy, right? That the Blue yeah. Bloods are are yeah not it, favored. It just- it, as we're talking about Baylor, it makes me think of the Parish Norlander stat that I pulled. Baylor is projected to win a league title for the first time since 1950. And you asked when the last time this happened. I'm just going to go ahead and guess 1950. I feel like this is the year where it's like the first time since whatever date. And 1950 seems like the most you know palatable time that people can be like, I, I can kind of perceive what that would have been like that long ago. So we'll say since 1950, that's our cutout date this year for the season. Uh, I think it's fascinating uh, that Virginia has been able to woo so many people in the preseason polls. Yeah, you hate every- Virginia. I love it. This is my this is one of my favorite <laughs> subplots that's going to unfold throughout this season is how much no, I, I don't hate Virginia. I just no you, no no this is oh, coming man. off the They've I'll become be, Duke. They've been able to manipulate so the good. preseason media. And this is I, so good. I'm so excited. It fascinating. What's Virginia the, what? especially on the heels of Virginia beating Carolina in football, ending your your football season. Mm. You're, you're, you know, you, you had you had playoff hopes. They're dashed by Virginia. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I love this because, as I've said to you many times over, I have always wanted North Carolina and Virginia to be like true rivals, and I know you kind of pretend to be rivals or whatever, but mm. I've been to multiple games at the Dean Dome. I've been to multiple games at uh, – or, or maybe – I don't know if multiple games, but I've been to Virginia's campus. I've been to the grounds multiple mm. times <laughs> uh, on multiple occasions, and they are one and the same. Virginia – UVA and UNC are the Spider-Man meme personified for sure. And I, it just feels like as an outsider, I'm like, you guys should hate each other. You guys should all Mm. be like, 
wearing your khakis and your button ups with your initials embroidered on the cufflinks and the the whatever. Like you guys should all be yelling at each other back and forth and and wearing your croquis and and all that other shit because you guys are the exact same school. Mm-hmm. You, you guys both think mm-hmm. you're like the the premier academic institution in the south you're both public school like it, it just makes so much sense mm-hmm. so i would I, I love that you're gonna hate virginia this year yeah I well i mean there, there's only one first public university and that's the university of north <laughs> carolina so it's it's hard you know i understand they're upset <laughs> up there and then you know it is the south's oldest rivalry like you said it, there is some animosity there and virginia tony bennett has owned roy williams in north carolina so the animosity has already been within me at some level but i think that you know just from the hcc perspective Coach K and Duke have been able to run the preseason gambit for, you know, over a decade. And just the fact that Tony Bennett after the 2019 title, they're still national champions, as we know. They've seemed to kind of take that throne away from the ACC preseason media. And I find that fascinating because so good. I, I'm, Tony I'm, Bennett, by the way, Tony Bennett is basically Roy Williams. If Roy got over the hump like 15 years earlier. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but Roy's like actually turned into more of not a nice guy over time. You know, like Roy's gotten meaner and more curmudgeon over time. Uh-huh. And Tony, Tony's still like in that grace period of just like, I'm blessed to be here. I love coaching this game, boys. Aren't we having a good day, guys? And Roy's like, we got to play a hundred times better this year or I'm done. <laughs> Can I call my shot just as an aside? Yeah, I, I think Tony Bennett is going to be the first or the next or however you want to phrase it. Uh, great college basketball coach, no doubt about it, Hall of Famer. Maybe he wins multiple national titles. Mm. But I think he is going to be uh, he's going to be the first in the next generation of coaches who does not follow in the Bayheim, uh, K, Roy, Huggins, et cetera, et cetera, model where you basically coach until you pass until you die on the sideline, mm-hmm. until you die mm-hmm. on the bench. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some John Wooden vibes from Tony Bennett where like he's going to retire when he's like 64 and he just, or 61. He's got plenty of gas left in the tank, but he just kind of like wants his assistant to take over. And then he comes to all the games and crosses his arms and claps for the team. And like, he doesn't, he, you know, he still looks young as hell and everyone's like, I don't understand why he did this to us. And yeah. I'm getting those vibes from Tony Bennett. What I'll say from Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett is a modern Dean Smith, which is like the nicest thing I can say about him. But he does the Everett Case move, which is he goes to Indiana to try to find talent as opposed to going to New York. But I guess he's done both because he got Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy. Mm-hmm. So he, he's doing the best of both, both worlds with the ACC. He's getting guys to buy in. And Virginia basketball, they have an actual, you know, <laughs> we joke about culture, but, you know, Tony Bennett has created a culture where yeah. they expect to win and they know how to win their way and their way is obnoxious to a lot of people, but it does work, <laughs> you know? And that's, uh, that's what, that's what Dean Smith did. You know, it was obnoxious. People didn't like four corners, but you couldn't complain because they won the game. I absolutely love that. You're going to hate Virginia. I'm so excited about <laughs> this. This is so good. This is so good. Jay Wright is the most handsome coach in college basketball. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so blue bloods, uh, the, the, the blue blood situation is certainly going to be something that's, that's fascinating to watch. What, what else stands out to you? I, uh, as I kind of go down the list of all the teams, uh, you know, basically big 10, when we left the season last year, like in mm-hmm. February, it was the, the conversation was, could they get 12 teams into the NCAA tournament? And that seemed a little ridiculous. I feel like that mark keeps moving up. I, this is a little bit of an aside. We're going to talk about America's team later, but I saw Russell Wilson came out today and he said that he spends a million dollars on his body. And, <laughs> and it was like LeBron James had already set that precedent. You know, like I spend a yeah. million dollars a year on my body. 
And that's what Russell Wilson says. And then I'm, I'm thinking to myself, once someone breaks that line, there's always like someone that one one ups like DK Metcalf in five years is going to say he spends two million dollars on his body. And that's going to be the next line. I did feel like conferences as far as conference pride. It was if we got 10 teams in, you know, it was like we're we're really, in really big business. Idea, yeah. Then the ACC got 11 teams in and everyone like, got 11 in 11 in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's like those moments. And now it feels like 12. And I keep seeing everyone talking about the Big Ten is so deep. And if Nebraska and Hoiberg can get it together, they could potentially get in 12 teams. And I think that would be (laughs) huge if maybe doesn't happen. So who are the two aren't the uh, Penn State Northwestern? Is that the? No, I think Northwestern's in. I think Northwestern Northwestern for me. Northwestern for me is tier three, bordering tier two. So, I so think who? I mean, it, it, it is, is Maryland. Are we saying uh, Mar- Maryland? If you're counting North, no, it was Penn State. Gotta, it was Penn State, Penn State. In, in Nebraska. Oh, it'd be Penn State. Well, there's there's got to be one more. There's 14 teams in the Big oh. Ten. So if you're saying that's what I'm saying, those two would be out. Oh, well, then Nebraska if, would if jump Nebraska, in. So that would be Nebraska would be 13. Are you are you are you putting 13 teams? In <laughs> yeah. The Big Ten? Yes. Now 13. But regardless, the Big Ten is the deepest conference. We hear that every single yeah. year. So I feel like that's going to be a storyline as well, where people are talking about it's not 10 teams now; it's 12 teams that could get in the tournament. Uh, speaking of speaking of guys spending millions of dollars to put uh, into their bodies or whatever, uh, J.R. Smith technically probably mm. spends a million dollars. Like, th- does Hennessy not count as you're technically putting Hennessy into your body? I would yeah. guess he he spends a million dollars on his body as well. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Big Ten because I th- <laughs> this is this to me is like the thing that I've been most obsessed with in this mm. offseason leading into the the new season trying to make sense of the top of the big 10 because it is all over the map. The, the, there is no consensus as far as I can tell Vegas, the, the, to, to recap, we've, we've talked about this before, but you know, people might be tuning in for the first time. This is a great time to tune in. Nothing else going on mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're locked in on your college basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> uh, so, all of you that are just tuning in, the situation is this in the Big Ten. There are three teams that have very strong cases to be considered the favorites this year, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin. And depending on your source, uh, any of those three are are like the obvious favorites. Like depending on – like Vegas, for example, has Iowa as a clear favorite. What, what, the, the thing I looked at, like VegasInsider.com, I don't know. I just Googled like college basketball mm-hmm. futures. Uh, Iowa was listed number three overall, and they were they were it was with uh, Baylor and Gonzaga, and then Iowa was number three in terms of national champion odds right wow. now. Wow, Iowa was number three. They believe in Iowa. Vegas apparently really believes in Iowa. Meanwhile, the CBS guys, I was looking at their preview. They they, they got the whole gamut of guys over there. Uh, three of their five guys had Illinois winning the Big Ten, and Illinois was like mm. the consensus that they settled on. Wisconsin is the defending one third <laughs> champion that brought back their whole lineup and basically lost. What was it? Who did they lose? Pritzel? No, yeah. they got Pritzel back. They lost Pritzel. I think they lost Pritzel. They lost Pritzel. Yeah, yeah they, lost Pritzel. Um, they lost like one. Get they lost. They yeah. lost like Pritzel. they lost Kobe King too. Yeah, <laughs> Kobe King transferred. He's his own theory. If Kobe King leaves your team, all things good will happen. Um. So anyway, uh, uh, the three. Meanwhile, three man weave. Our friends at three man weave. They they mm-hmm. also have a college basketball podcast. A great website. They they've been doing their previews. They have Iowa at number seventeen overall. They don't even have Iowa in the top three of the Big Ten. They have Iowa mm-hmm. fourth because of the defense situation that we brought up before. Um. So that that is the situation in the Big Ten is trying to make sense of who's going to. Win. Meanwhile, Michigan State is going to be very good. I think. Um. Rutgers for the first time in a very long time, like. Not only is Rutgers not if you lose to Rutgers, it's not embarrassing. Um, Rutgers is going to be a good win this year. Like if mm-hmm. you beat Rutgers, you should be happy, which is 
Absolutely shocking to say out loud, but that's where we've where we've derived. I think Indiana's going to be good. I really like Ohio State, um, and I'm not just saying that because I don't always like Ohio State teams going into the season. Uh, yeah, Big Ten's going to be pretty good, Tate. So that, that's that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on, though. Is like the sorting, sussing out the top of the Big Ten. I I, I have this prediction. I'm an Illinois guy. First of all, mm-hmm. we'll dive into it again when we do mm-hmm. our own previews. I believe that Illinois should be the best team going into the season, considered the best team. But my my Big bold prediction is of those top three, one of them is just going to absolutely tank. Uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, or Iowa. I think one of them. There's no way that those are the, your top three teams in the Big Ten this year. Is, is there is there any chance that Mr. March, aka Tom Izzo, just has a season where you know Aaron Henry steps up and Michigan State makes a run, and all those teams like that have all the hope? It seems like a lot of hope is in the Big Ten for like Illinois to come back and make a run, Iowa to you know kind of deliver on the Luca Garza era because last year people felt like he got snubbed for that, yeah. but. It could just be a chalk season where Tom Izzo and Michigan State just kind of wrote it back and win it, and uh, I feel like that's yeah. also waiting in the wind. That, that, that's definitely yeah. Like like if you if you asked me, and I don't know why you would, but if 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 you said like put Iowa, Wisconsin, and Illinois in one group, and you say will one of well, will the team outside of that group win at least a share of the Big Ten this year? I'm I'm betting the house that someone will either Michigan State. Or like Indiana or Ohio State, not win the whole league. I don't think they're going to win outright per se, but like, what, there will be a team that gets a share of the Big Ten. The, I, I do not believe. Just just say that out loud. Like Iowa's your outright Big Ten winner. That's not going to happen. Illinois, your, no, that's not going to happen. Is there a chance Wisconsin's that, like, not outright winning the Big Ten when yeah. with that roster? No, that's not happening. It, could this be the Brad Davison year where charges and uh, somehow zone basketball just gets more in vogue? It feels like college basketball is like kind of fading away yeah. from zone well, as pro- as professional basketball is trying to pick up the zone. But Brad right. Davison brings it back uh, with Wisconsin and taking charges and wins Big Ten Player of the Year, and we get just a whole Badger season. That could be great. It was I do feel like that's the team that I think is going to fall off. You talked about the team that will like, be in that group. It's like Wisconsin the, is my pick. I believe in Garza at some level. They have a high basement. They have a <laughs> yes. high floor. They have yes. a high. That's the they problem. They will with work Wisconsin. hard. Yes. Like like Wisconsin is not going to be awful. They're going to mm-hmm. be okay, but they they have a very very low ceiling. I think. Um, by the by the way, it was at this exact moment that like thousands of our listeners just remembered that Brad Davison is back. He's Brad Davison yes. is indeed back. <laughs> not he's only a sophomore. Teams, he's right? only that's the craziest part. He's only a sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he did it. And then uh, this is a coronavirus year, so it doesn't even count. You can probably come back next year as well. So this is get this is what that. people this is yeah. what like when they make the villains list for the next decade. Somehow yeah. Brad Davison is on that list, and people are we like, "Wait a second, what?" We got to get him on the show for one of our previous shows. Mm. He's uh, we we need to get that done. Um, yeah, good son, bad son, Davison. Speaking of speaking of all the seniors on Wisconsin, I, w- I want to bring this up as well because this is something that stood out to me. Uh, the opposite of seniors, freshmen. Um, freshmen have dominated college basketball for a long time uh, since the one-and-done era started, obviously. Looking over the crop of freshmen we have now, it, it jumped out to me that a lot of these guys are not going – the routes we're used to them going. Kentucky mm. has a couple good player, a couple good freshmen. I know Carolina has a decent recruited class. There, there are there, the, the blue bloods still got a, their pickings. They got a couple guys, mm-hmm. but you look at like the top. I, I was on the I think the twenty four seven top twenty players or whatever, and, and uh, the top twenty recruits. Um, like four of them went pro out of the gate. Like we have mm-hmm. the, the guys that went the G League route. Uh, then Cade Cunningham's going to Oklahoma State. We got Evan Mobley at USC. 
We got Scotty Barnes at Florida State. We got Greg Brown at Texas. Zaire Williams at Stanford. Joshua Christopher at Arizona State. McCurr Maker at Howard. Uh, These are schools that are traditionally not necessarily landing like the top guys. And that's interesting to me, Tate, because uh, the the, the conversations around the freshmen in college basketball, it feels like they're going to be very different than they've been in the last – however many years and basically every year we do this uh the, the conversations around the freshmen are going to be different especially because kate cunningham is on a team that as of right now is not eligible for the 2021 ncaa tournament yeah it does feel like it used to be like these fab five classes where you could point to two or three guys that are going to kentucky or two or three guys that were like even the duke year when they had obviously reddish and rg barrett and zion and everyone's like talking about that whole crop of guys but now I mean, Caleb Love is a guy in Carolina that people have talked about and, and a name that people have pointed out to, but he's not like this standout big guy that everyone wants to kind of have all eyes on. Josh Christopher is another guy that I think got some hype when he made that commitment and people wanted yeah, to Caleb have eyes Love, on. Yeah, Caleb Love, to, to, to yeah. stop on Caleb Love for a second, uh, He's not even he hasn't he's not even close to the hype that that Cole Anthony got. Like not yeah. even not, not even, even not even an inch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I there there are probably a ton of people that that pay attention to college basketball that did, do not realize that Caleb like that North Carolina has an, a five-star point guard coming in on the heels of Cole Anthony because uh yeah, I I I don't know. There's like there's no hype whatsoever from my perspective as an outsider who's not really plugged into it. Um, I knew all about Cole Anthony. Like you, it was it was all it was in my face everywhere I turned. But Caleb Love, kind of flying under the radar. Yeah. Well, it's also like there's the weird recruiting world where there is the the IG famous like uh, Mikey Williams. What I would what I'd be like the Mikey Williams type recruit, where like Seventh Woods type recruit, where like everyone yeah. knows them. Zion, same way. Everyone kind of knows it. Yeah, T. Jazz. Brandon Newman. Yeah. Mac McClung, for <laughs> yeah, example. Yeah. Uh, the guy that like everyone knows, and I feel like the Carolina class is very understated. And uh, most of those guys, like a Caleb Love, like yeah, they're friends with the Sky Clarks of the world, friend of the program that we saw in here, and like you yeah. know the Cole Anthony's world. New Cole helped get him in there. Uh, but it, but it is just like a different group of kids. And I do think that Kate Cunningham is the face of the freshman. And the face of the freshman really is in a situation that's like <laughs> yeah. an iso- it's like an isolated incident. Like nobody, yeah. it's going to feel weird that he won't really matter when it come when push comes to shove when we're talking about college basketball. And he's the face of freshman. So I do think it's one possibly a good thing if you're a John Fulkerson or someone yeah. that is in college basketball for quite some time that you could have a breakout year or a Luca Garza could have a breakout year uh, because it's not five star dominated yeah and that's a speaking of john fulkerson tennessee has a couple five stars too uh, uh jaden springer keon johnson yeah. are both going to to knoxville so that's going to be that i would add tennessee to the list like ten, you're not we're not used to seeing tennessee um bringing in multiple eaves ponds coming yeah. back yeah gonna have a good year yeah. but yeah that, that that's something that i i feel like we should keep an eye on or whatever and even looking at all these all-american teams kate cunningham seems to be the pick when we're when we're looking for the freshman that's going to you know, like Harrison Barnes, you mentioned earlier about setting the precedent and then the floodgates open. It is so funny looking back to like in 07, going into that season, everyone knew Durant and Oden were the two best players yep. and or whatever, but they were never mentioned as like preseason all very because we can't do that. Freshmen on a yeah. preseason before they yeah. played a game? No. And then I feel like Harrison Barnes, he was the first one, right? Yeah, Harrison pre-season. Barnes. First and team. Now it's gotten to the point where uh, you got to throw one. You always got to pick one, at least one freshman to throw him on there. And Kate Cunningham seems to be the pick, but uh, I don't know. Scotty Barnes is going to be really good. 
Um, Evan Mobley, I've, I've seen him mentioned as a, a guy, and, and BJ Boston is the guy on Kentucky. But uh, I don't. It, it feels like a year. I would say those are the two things that stood out to me. Is one, this is not going to be a blue blood season, and two, this is not going to be a freshman season, and that mm-hmm. stands out because so many seasons of recent memory have been both of those things. And it does feel like it may be a rerun for a lot of people this year. Like as we talk about certain names, you know, that that are still around, like at East Pond, like I just said, at Tennessee, or, you know, as we look at Miller Cop at Northwestern, whoever it may be, you're like, oh, I remember that guy. He's been there. And uh, I kind of understand what this team looks like. And I think uh, I'm hoping that some of those guys that we I haven't seen much tape on these freshmen. Like I haven't tape, seen. I like that. I haven't seen the tape. I haven't. And uh, I don't know. It used to be different. I feel like I used to I need to, to see, run the tape. I used to see all these guys, like in the Jordan Brand Classic or the McDonald's All-American game, whatever it may be. And I watch, and it's just different than it used to be because the hype is different. And it's so splintered that I almost figured them out at college. And sometimes I don't even see them in college. Like Markel Fultz, for, for example. Yes, he was the freshman yep. of the year. I saw a few games, or I felt like I saw like five games at most. And then it was like, he's gone. He's the number one pick. We'll see you later. I Michael Porter, for example. Michael Porter, yeah, <laughs> the mystery. I, I barely remember him playing in Missouri. I don't, James like Wiseman, what's going yeah. on? I, yeah, I didn't what, see what's much. What's happening here? Yeah, it's a uh, different. Do world. we have speaking of like breaking down tape? Do we does Fox have it in the budget? This surely we do, right? To can we get a film room? Like I yes. feel like you and I yes. to enhance our credibility, we got to start putting out clips where like you and I are sitting in a dark room and one of mm-hmm. us has the clicker and we're just yeah. going back. And I have and the forth. marker and we're like we have like an old magnet board, you know, like they used to have on sidelines where they had magnets to like run the play. We're like doing that yeah. in there. Yeah, it's perfect. We, we, yeah, we're watching Kentucky film and we're just <laughs> rewinding it back and forth. Play, rewind, play, re- and no, it's a video of us and we don't say a word for like 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you pause it and you look, you freak out, and you point, you're like, yep, yep, right there, right there pretty sure that's ashley judd (laughs) (laughs) she's there she's in there it makes it yeah we make it seem like we're uh breaking down look she's upset about the chick-fil-a look at her face yep yep i see it it's right there i knew i saw that all right (laughs) anyway uh welcome back to film session with titus and tate we're uh Let's just do film down. session and break down the Tyler Hero Kentucky Zion game, and we just <laughs> yeah. try to we try to understand it. We're like, what's going on here? We should do that. that that'd be a fun series. Like, pick the worst games of guys that have blown up in the NBA, and yeah. like break it down. Like, try to find some game when like Paul George was at Fresno State was shit in the bed. Be like, yeah. we should have seen this coming. Here's here's Paul George against. <laughs> yeah, what happened? Here? Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> what happened here? Just keep going through it. Uh, I want to talk about that. I had a couple other bullet points, big picture stuff that I wanted mm-hmm. to hit. Um, mentioning this will not be probably a season of blue bloods. This will not probably be a season of freshmen. Another thing that bucks the trend as I'm looking through the preview state, mm. West coast basketball might be back. Yeah. yeah. It might be back because, uh, a lot of buzz for the West coast right now. Gonzaga, as we've said, is the heavy favorite. I, I don't even know if we call it heavy, but they are the consensus favorite to, uh, <laughs> I like consensus. That yeah. Consensus better. makes more heavy is a little strong, but <laughs> they, they are the consensus favorite. Um, big 10 stat of the day, West coast stat of the day, mm. uh, on this Vegas insider.com, which is the, again, the first Google result I get when I type in college basketball futures. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's it. I don't know how credible of a source they are. 12 of the top 26, National title odds right now reside west of the Mississippi River. Tate, we have we have had one NCAA champion west of the Mississippi River since 1997. It is your 2008 Kansas Jayhawks, and they needed Mario's miracle to do it. We're we're throwing in we're throwing in Kansas. We're throwing in the Texas schools. 
we're throwing in the Oklahomas of the world. You're all West Coast. If you're west of the Mississippi, we're counting it as West Coast. Uh, it, it, it has been a very long time since the West Coast has been actually a thing. Um, and the Pac-12 is going to be good, I think. The Pac-12 mm-hmm. is actually going to be good this year. There's a ton of hype around Arizona State. UCLA has, yeah. I'm everything, about everything. I just want to say, it's the, this is the season where West Coast, West Coast basketball, when we started this podcast in 2016, it was a joke and Lonzo Ball was going to be the savior. And, and that was what we were looking at yeah. at that point in time. And, and then Leandro Ball was thanking <laughs> Donald Trump for saving him from a Chinese prison. And that was when we were through the the jo- last, I think, I think at yeah. that point, we we're like, all right, the joke went too far. And we're like, wait a second, let's get back to some semblance of reality here. So we did a reset. We, we hit the reset button on West coast basketball. And then last year, Mick Cronin shocked mm-hmm. the world, came to UCLA's campus, wearing flip-flops in Maui, uh, refusing to come to cookout events, just mm-hmm. basically set the tone to say, this is what UCLA, this is what the fifth blue blood really looks like under Mick Cronin's watch, which is we're different, we're defensive-minded, and we're gritty. We're going to try to win games. And then I think the biggest snub as we look back, talking about the previews, so I've seen all everyone's you know top three teams, the guys to be looking out for. Chris Smith mm-hmm. is a simple name, but Chris Smith, is going to be, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you have to do, the face of West Coast basketball and the face of UCLA basketball coming back and emerging this season. I have a lot of faith in Chris Smith. I think he has all the talent in the world uh, as a three-man, and I think he somehow last year between the end of December going into conference play, he hit the switch, and he was locked in, and he bought into UCLA basketball. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say that. As far as previews, Chris Smith, I'm all in on. But I think, like you said, west of the Mississippi, this is the year. This is the chance. It's not going to be Arizona. It's not going to be Sean not going to be Miller. Arizona. Yeah, not going to be it could Arizona. Be, it could be Arizona State. It yeah, could be yeah, Bobby Ari- Hurley. Arizona St- Stanford is going to be very good. Yep. Uh, as I said, Evan Mobley at USC. Um, uh, CBS. The, Stan- guys at- Stanford's guy, Zaire Williams, right? That's the Yeah, Zaire Williams. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, Oscar De Silva's back, too. They're, we're going to see yep. them in Maui slash Asheville. Uh, yeah, Coach Haas. Yeah, yeah. excited for that. Uh, CB, our guys at CBS, their consensus is that Oregon should be the favorite to win the Pac-12. We haven't even mentioned them. The Ducks are going to be good. <laughs> Uh, even though they lost Peyton Pritchard. Meanwhile, you got Kansas State, you got mm. Iowa, which again we're counting these as West Coast schools. Baylor, Baylor. Creighton, yep. mm. uh, Texas mm. Tech, Texas probably not going to win the national championship, but uh, you know, is this the year? Can Shaka put it together? Now that, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So um, that's something I'm keeping an eye on because the wet, the 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 west of the Mississippi, it's been a long time coming, and uh, maybe it's going to happen this year. You mentioned Texas, and I think that we should point out as we talk about freshmen. I know that there's you know a lot of names that we keep you know yelling out there. Jalen Johnson is another game. So the Duke fans look it up. So Jalen Johnson, Duke's another name, but uh, the guy to watch and based on he wants all the smoke is what he said to the world. Greg Brown at mm-hmm, Texas, mm-hmm. Uh, five star recruit that's going to be there. He is. Uh, electric to say the least so he's someone to watch out as well so if i were to say to you uh prop bet of will the national champion come from west of the mississippi river or east of the mississippi river uh who's the favorite in that regard because like Mm. the 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 big boys west are you have gonzaga you have baylor you have kansas iowa creighton texas tech as we said Mm. um those those all those schools are probably in the mix East are the usual suspects, Virginia, yeah. Villanova, Duke. 
UConn's a sneaky team as well that I think Get UConn's good. I think UConn can make the, not, this would the, be the not the national championship. No, this would be the year UConn wins it. Like this is the, <laughs> this is this is a UConn national champion year. This is yeah. like all the uncertainty, all the, the ridiculous shit going on. Games are going to get canceled left and right. UConn's back in the Big East. They're gonna they're gonna struggle in the Big East because this is like a step up from the American. And, and they're going to be like, like Kevin Willard and like Big East coach has been mad at them being back yeah. in the Big East. So like if they won a title, it kind of validates and stamps their spot. They're like, you're welcome. You need someone They're going to finish six in the Big East and then yeah. somehow win the national title and just put a cap on 2020 season to just be like, are are we serious? With so this? the West, <laughs> the West Coast team to win is UConn. That's who's going to win. The national <laughs> uh, no, I think Baylor is definitely the pick. I, I do think. But uh, no, to, to do, do you think West or East? If you're taking a group, I'm taking West. I'm going West side. This is I the so this, this is the first year that I'm going to go West side basketball. Uh, full on Pac-12 update all year long. I think so. I, I think UCLA is a sleeper team. I think I really like, like the, Chris Smith. The West Coast is going to be so good this year, or so interesting that when Carolina and Ohio State play each other in December, I think the bet should be whoever wins gets to do the Pac-12 update. Mm. <laughs> Last mm. year, it was the loser got to do it. And now I'm like, now hang on a second. I was so mad. It I was, I was like, so excited. It sounds like, like I'm going to be doing the Pac-12 update. Yeah, no, get out of here. I remember last year Ohio State wins, and I was like, "Suck it, Tate! You got to do the Pac-12 update." And I la- that lasted like three days. And yeah. I was like, "Man!" Then I, you're texting me. You're like, you're like, yeah. "You're like, you're like Pac-12 update." Here's another link. Yeah. I'm like, "Okay." Make sure you hit this. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, the last big bullet point is uh, defend your boys. The ACC <laughs> is not going to be good. The ACC, in fact, might be. The fourth best conference in college basketball. Mm. The Big Ten is the best. The mm. Big 12 is the second best. That much we know. Could the Pac 12 sneak in front of the ACC? Could the SEC sneak in front of the Absolutely ACC? Absolutely not. Big East? The, the ACC, I'll tell you this. Fourth the, best? I'll guarantee the ACC is getting seven teams at least in the NCAA tournament, at least seven. So, whatever, whatever you want to look at, Florida State is the team that's on the rise. I think this is the year of Leonard Hamilton. I think Coach Ham makes a big move, makes a big push. Obviously, Virginia is loved by no. the media, just like you. You love Virginia. All the media, they love Virginia. So they're going to be in the conversation. North Carolina is coming back with a vengeance, and I can promise you that. No. Duke basketball is Duke basketball. They will always be in the top 10. Duke could be 0-17, and they will still be in the top 12. <laughs> you can guarantee that. So they will be in the conversation. I think that Jeff Capel will be in the conversation because he always is. He's going to have Jay-Z at games, even though they have no fans there. That would just be Jay-Z and Beyonce at the game. <laughs> so Pitt will be in the conversation. The ACC will dominate the conversation and lead like they always do. They will be <laughs> a top four conference in college basketball. A top four. <laughs> Don't print, you dare. Print the t-shirts. The <laughs> ACC, a top four conference we'll, in college basketball. <laughs> we'll be top four. I don't know, man. I think the ACC falls off a cliff after the top four. I will give you that. The, it, Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Florida State, all very good. Louisville, it depends on how much you like Louisville. I don't mm-hmm. love Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel like I feel like the ACC falls off a cliff after the top four. And I will I, say, I miss I miss Rick Pitino in a white suit. And I miss the fact that Rick Pitino was at Louisville. And the ACC had another just anchor dude. position in the ACC, a top-flight coach there in Louisville, Kentucky. If only he's missed. He's you missed. miss Rick Pitino in a white suit, if only there was a power conference school with a current vacancy mm. that is known for having whiteouts. That's also a basketball program that historically sucks mm. and would be the kind of program mm. that would roll the dice on 
a guy like Rick Pitino. Yeah. Man, could you imagine if that was a reality in college I mean, basketball? You know, right you know what maybe? it would take? The heart of a lion. It really would <laughs> to make that move. Uh, I want to wrap this thing up with some tidbits I found that that like aren't big bullet, aren't big discussion points. I just want to Great. mention them and we can move on. Uh, I Googled college basketball preview and Mid- I went to same. like, I, I Googled it and then I said like, just, I, I limited the results to the last month. And then I went to like page like 12. I was like going very deep in the Google thing to try to find mm-hmm. some obscure shit. I found the New York Post apparently has a section online called the college basketball preview section. I found this as well. This is wild. This is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, so the New York Post college basketball preview section, they have one thing listed in the entirety of 2020. In their college basketball preview section, there's one thing in the year 2020. The rest of it goes back to 2019. And that one thing is an article, quote unquote, that has literally no copy whatsoever. It is a a headline, and then it is an embedded tweet from the uh, uh, St. Francis Brooklyn, whatever their nickname is, Mm -hmm. uh, showing one of their players making a trick shot at a park. (laughs) <laughs> and that is that is it. So I just want to tip my cap to New York Post for great journalism. Yeah. Uh, hell of a college basketball preview you guys put out this year. <laughs> this this is amateur basketball in their mind. And uh, they're like, this is the only amateur basketball clip we could find online. You guys take this. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I kind of we have similar Google searching habits. I went to the Philadelphia Inquirer and they had the same thing. It was college basketball preview. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like, let's just see what the big five's up to. I click on the preview, and, and the first question is like, what will Cass, what will Cassius Winston do this year for Michigan State? And I look at <laughs> it's like from 2019. There was so many, as you look for previews, there's so many places that have just like frozen in time. Like if you go to the website and they just have like their college basketball news is from March 3rd or March 6th of this year. And it's like mm-hmm. talking about previews for conference tournaments. And you're like, okay, uh, well, we're on the other side of that. What's going on now? Uh, so I do think that this was useful and helpful uh, to be able to dig into all this stuff to see where we are in the world. And uh, shout out to the New York Post. Thank you so shout much. Out, yeah, very, good very good journalism. The other thing I would say, I, I found this website uh, inside the loudhouse.com, which is apparently a Syracuse slanted website. Nice. Uh, that's really all I know about it. And the headline reads this. Hey, Andy Katz, Buddy Bayheim is a West contender, contender talking about the Jerry West award. And apparently yeah. Andy Katz did not have Buddy Bayheim on his list of Jerry West uh, contenders or whatever. And that was the headline. I, I just, I, I wanted to also tip my cap to that headline. Hey, Hey, Andy Katz, Buddy Bayheim is a West contender. So uh, hell of a preview there. The other thing I wanted to say, uh, our, our, our friend Gary Parrish at CBS, mm. He has already Tate put out his hot seat list. <laughs> the hot seat watch has started. He yeah. has Jim Christian of Boston College on it. He has Dave Lado of DePaul, which those two guys, I'll be honest, like I feel like you just start with those two every single year. Yeah, you know, whether they yeah. have jobs or not, you're just like Jim Christian, Dave mm-hmm. Lado. Got to mm-hmm. be on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where are they right now? Hot seat. Like as I'm scrolling through the article, I swear to God, I thought Mark Fox at Georgia was going to be number three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just expected. I like it was just a, like GP just copied and pasted his article from 2017 or whatever it was and let it ride. Uh, the other three he had though, start licking your lips because Brad Brown. It's going to be a fun year. Greg Marshall. Ooh. Sean Miller. Yes. And Will Wade. Yes. Those are his five. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to call your attention to that. I can't believe Billy Gillespie is not on there. Billy Gillespie has not coached a game at Tarleton State. He should already be on the hot seat. 
Yeah, I'm going to put exactly. him on my hot seat. He's number one on my hot seat. Hasn't okay. even coached a game yet. <laughs> Perfect. So there you go. Billy Gillespie, former Kentucky coach, number one on the hot seat. Uh, that's, wow. That's that's like, when you think of DePaul and Boston College, I can't think of two better places for Rick Pitino to go next. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Boston College for the Catholic, uh, I mean, that would just be perfect and then DePaul to bring Chicago basketball back with Rick Pitino that would Boston College point shaving history get it yeah. get this a, is that's five Rick star Pitino coverage there yeah. yeah I I I love that old big east mm-hmm. BC mm-hmm. and DePaul I love let's it let's be honest if he goes to Boston College Rick Pitino they're going back to the big east they're going to they're going to pull a Yukon and get into the big east and yeah. ugh. We that have to do great. Patino watch all season. I mean, that, that's really what the hot seat watch is. It's Patino watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where does Patino go next? Uh, is there anything else or any other tidbits? Anything else we got to hit? I just want to point out, I, I know that we, yeah. No, I was just saying, I know that we uh, we bounced around today, but we're going to do our our full breakdown of everything. I have a lot of little notes about, you know, certain coaches and players yeah, that are them. in different places. Yeah, I, exactly. We'll saving them. them. That's we're fine. saving them. Uh, all right. Well, in that case, uh, here's our interview with Elijah Hughes. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, NHTSA. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile. By that time, it's too late and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. All right, quick break to talk about our great friends at First Leaf. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world directly to you because the only thing better than one fantastic bottle of wine is a case of award-winning wine that shows up at your doorstep. Every bottle is handpicked by experts with your exact preferences and palate in mind for a unique combination of wine you are guaranteed to love. Unlike other wine clubs, First Leaf uses an algorithm. We love algorithms on this program. And your feedback to curate future wine recommendations. I have been using First Leaf for, uh, I don't know, three, four, five months. I've, I've lost count at this point. They, they, <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been seamless, Tate. I yeah. get on there. I tell them what I want. I'm like, give me, uh, you know, mostly reds, but maybe throw a bottle of white mm. in there. And then mm. you kind of like pick, like, do you want to get crazy with it? Do you want to be a basic bitch? Like, you tell us mm. what you like. Mm. And I do it. And then, every, and then I kind of forget about it. And then lo and behold, case of wine shows up and it's fantastic because I am an absolute moron when it comes to wine. So being able to, I get the box out, they have the, all these cards, Tate, they explain what the wine is, where it comes yeah. from, yeah. Uh, all that stuff that you that you need to know to make you a true wine snob. It's amazing you're in a pandemic too because you kind of just like show up one day, you open your door and there you go. You got like four or eight new bottles of wine and you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm supplied. I'm doing great. It's amazing. Yeah, like I feel like I feel like everybody when it comes to wine, you want to find that sweet spot between being like a pretentious wine snob and yeah. being like just a super poor person who just like gets bagged wine, mm. you know. At Franzia. Your, yeah. You get Franzia at your local grocery store. Like that's not a great look either. You got to find the middle ground. Folks, I'm telling you, the middle ground is first leaf. Let mm. them do it for you. And it's so cheap, dude. You could take bottles of wine they send you and, and give them for housewarming presents, just give them to friends, whatever it is. And suddenly you look like the guy. You're the guy who gives wine when he goes over to other people's houses. What are you waiting for? Get that Friday feeling like I do any day with First Leaf. Just join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Tate. 
That's six bottles of wine for $30. Do the math there. That is insane. That is that is very, very good. Plus, you get free shipping on top of that at tryfirstleaf.com slash tape. All right. Joining us now is 2020 all ACC first team selection. Mm. He led the Atlantic Coast Conference in scoring at 19 points a game for your Syracuse Orange. His name is Elijah Hughes. Uh, Elijah, I want to start here. I just got done saying, you know, your, your first team all ACC. Your coach, Jim Beheim said you should have won ACC player of the year. He was campaigning late in the year mm. uh, for you to win ACC player. Ultimately, I think it went to Trey Jones, if I remember correctly. That's that's irrelevant. The point is, obviously, you're a great player. You're, you're one of the best players in the best conference in college basketball. But when you were being recruited, you were not highly thought of. You were, uh, my sources say you were 195th in your class. Uh, so my question, my first question, Elijah, were the recruiting people wrong or did you just get that much better in a few mm. years? Um, I'd say a little bit of both. You know, I, I've always thought that okay. I've, I've been overlooked, uh, been under recruited, undervalued. So, and then also, I just also stayed in the gym. I also just got better, stayed in the weight room, got quicker, faster, stronger. So a little bit of both. All right, Elijah, you're born in Poughkeepsie, New York. Our old producer, he is also from Poughkeepsie, New York. So you just want to shout out Poughkeepsie first and foremost there. Uh, second, you're in New York, a basketball state. There's a lot of talent around you. And you end up going to Greenville, North Carolina to play for the East Carolina Pirates. I have one word and one question. How? One of the school that was really recruiting me at the time was East Carolina. Uh, I, was really, yeah. I made a really good coach with really good relationship with Coach Potasnik, the assistant at the time. And so, yeah, I ended up in Greenville. <laughs> Walk us through like your progression from your standpoint, how you got better. Um, things like like what was asked of you last year that maybe you, mm-hmm. you didn't have to do a couple years ago. Right. So uh, yeah, as you said, my first year playing, I was kind of like that third or fourth option on the team. You know, I was an ex to really do much, but you know, make shots and uh, make time plays on defense and time plays on offense. You know, we had a really good um, scoring load with three of our starters coming back. So who were our three scoring options. So we had those guys coming back and then I was just kind of that fourth guy that was thrown into fire and just actually made plays at certain times. And um, I think I had a good year, a decent year. Um, and then going into la- this past season, I knew I was going to have much more responsibility. I was only returning starter. Um, I knew yeah. I was going to have the ball and I was going to, you know, be the guy and being that guy to, you know, take those shots, to make those plays. So I understand it and I was ready for it. So that summer I just prepared. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Coach Bayon a little bit because we're mm-hmm. we're obviously fascinated by it. We're college basketball guys, so we're, mm-hmm. you know he's obviously a legend in college basketball. What is it like being recruited? Uh, obviously, it's a little different that you're a transfer, mm-hmm. but I assume he was recruiting because if I remember correctly, you were considering maybe Seton Hall. Um, yes, that was kind of something you were also. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what is it like to be recruited by Jim Bayheim? Because uh, on the outside looking in, he seems like he's reached the point in his career where he almost just finds everything annoying. And like, it, like, was he excited to talk to you? Cause like, it just seems to me like, like he, he walks into, he calls you and he's just like, Oh, I don't know. Elijah, he's come, like, here, just come up here. I don't yeah. care. Right. Like, you know, so what, what was that like? Uh, I mean, <laughs> um, coaches are really, he's a smooth dude, man. And you got to kind of yeah. understand him to get a feel for him. But, um, and during my time when I was transferring, honestly, like you said, I was seeing the hole was a lock. Like I was going there. There was no need for me to go to mm. other schools. But then uh, Coach Autry had called me, uh, Coach Adrian Autry at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. He was like, you make a trip here for a visit. Just talk to Coach, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. So I went up there. Me and Coach had a really good conversation. Uh, everything went well. And um, from there, I was ready to go. You know, I, was just, I think I declared yeah. or decided to go uh, the next day. So um, I didn't really need to go. I didn't, I didn't need to have a, a 
the freshman out of college visit where I'm partying and seeing. Did, did it ever come? <laughs> did it ever come up that he didn't recruit you out of high school? Were you ever like coach? What I mean, the at hell? the time, 2016, <laughs> that year, um, they had scholarship issues with uh, they only had NCAA oh, issues. That's so. right. That's right. Okay. I, if he wanted, I, I think that if he had scholarship, he would have did it. But um, yeah, you know, that's a, that's just you. a big what if thing. All right, all right. I, and I have to put. You said you know the the first recruiting experience, so I have to go back to Greenville. What was that mm-hmm. like when they were recruiting you down to Greenville? Is that why it was only you were just like I have to commit here because it was just the number one party school in the country? Uh, I mean, a little bit, you know, a little bit. Of course, a seven, asking a seventeen year old kid. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, this is this is too easy, right? I mean, you're asking a seventeen year old kid uh, to be in that nice weather. Um, like a number one party school in the country. So it's hard <laughs> to say no to that as a 17 year old kid, but you know, as you get older, you have perspective. So I feel, definitely are, grew up. Uh, the, the number one it. party school in the country thing. I mean, are there more number one recruits in the country or number one party schools? Yeah. I feel like every school thinks they're number one party school. And every, every kid coming out of high school is like, I'm the number one recruit. In the country. And it's like, no, hang on a second. We can't have a million number ones. Right. Uh, and also, so let, let's shift to, to, to you, um, to your professional career. Now you're, you're mm-hmm. obviously uh, going to be in the 2020 NBA draft. There is a, prevailing thought a narrative if you will that uh guys who play for jim Beheim, who play in the zone and syracuse are not well prepared for the nba because there's right. not a lot of zone defense uh can you guard guys one-on-one mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff is is kind of this this thought out there what what do you say to that elijah do, do you feel i mean yeah like what 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 is what would your response to those kind of questions about your defensive prowess be i mean i've been answering this question the last six months yeah. um so <laughs> yeah. it's pretty easy but um yeah like you said uh a lot of times, Syracuse guys get a lot of you know crap for not being able to def- defend one on one or playing in the zone. People aren't moving as much, but a lot yeah. of people don't see in the zone is we have a lot of man to man principles that's like not really seen to the naked eye. Um, mm-hmm. The amount of ground you have to cover, you know, depending on who you're shooting, it could be the same as man to man. You know, the people you have to close out on, you know, personnel is all tied in with man to man positioning. You know what happens when yeah. certain people are out of position? Like, how do you rotate? All tied in with man to man. So people don't see that kind of stuff. Yeah. People think it's a zone. You're kind of just going back and forth, going through the motions. And a lot of teams struggle against players against our zone play. I think the same things. But it's not nothing like that at all. You have to move a lot. You have to communicate a lot. All stuff that ties in with man-to-man. And then also, you know, I'm somebody who's – I've been competing my whole life. You know, I've been playing man my mm-hmm. whole life, except for the last two years I've been playing basketball. So I'm somebody yeah. in high school who was that, that three and D kind of guy. You know, I was that guy shutting down the perimeter star wings. That sure. was That was my job, so – I, I don't think it would endear yourself to the scouts mm-hmm. per se, but uh, you would you would become like a co- college basketball fan to love it. If you if you get asked that question, just be like, well, they don't play defense in the NBA anyway, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. And then all the right. college fans will just be like, yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know if scouts would love that as much. But, uh, <laughs> just knowing the NBA, I mean, how much did you watch the NBA? Mm-hmm. Did you grow up watching the NBA? Do you know these terms like three and D to kind of pitch right. yourself? You shot 37% for the three-point line at Syracuse mm-hmm. your first year there. So did, did you have these things already kind of built up to say, this is what I need to get out to the world to let people know, hey, I'm right. a 3 and D guy. I can do this. I can do that. For sure. You know, um, <clears throat> as a kid, I watched NBA just as a fan. You know, but as, you grow, as I grew up and as this, I want to make this more of my reality, I kind of just watch to learn more and figure things out and figure situations out and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely think that I'm, I'm well-suited for NBA in terms of terminology, in terms of mm-hmm. um, just IQ. So I definitely think I'm ready. Another thing I think you're th- that that suits you well, being ranked so low in your class. I find that uh, like coming out of high school. I mean, mm-hmm. um, a lot of guys that are that are draft prospects now. It's like a it's foreign waters where their whole lives 
uh, they've been just kind of existing and then people are trying to beg for them to come to their school or like, play for my team. They're recruiting them. And then now the, the, the script gets flipped and now that you're going to the draft. You're almost having to campaign for yourself. You're like, right. please draft me. Like I'm, I'm good. I can play. Uh, do you, f- do you feel like your background of, of having a chip on your shoulder being, being doubted, however you want to phrase it, uh, that, that suits you well, because I, I don't know, I don't know how much you pay attention to mock drafts. Some people say you might slip to the second round. Some say you're late first round. You're not, you're not showing up in like top five of people's draft, but I assume right. you think you're of that caliber. Does that, does your background, do you feel like that's helping you with this process? I mean, my background and kind of my statue of being, you know, under recruited and undervalued my whole, that's how I've been my whole life. So yeah. at this point, it's just me. That's just what I do now. It's just how I've been. So at this point, it's not even, I don't think about it. I'm just out there. I know I'm not working people. I know I'm working, doing everything I possibly can. So, Whatever happens on November 18th, it's just meant to be. So, but I know at the end of the day, I just, I, this has been happening my whole life. Well, yeah, the 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 battle to convince scouts might be an uphill thing or whatever. But let, let's try to convince some fans. Let's try to convince some listeners that might not right. know who Elijah Hughes is and 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 want to want to jump on your bandwagon here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been asking this question of all the prospects that have come on our show, mm-hmm. um, and, and I want you to fill in this blank for me, Elijah. Elijah Hughes is the best blank in the 2020 NBA draft. What would you say you're the best? The best is he's um he's a gamer. He's the best gamer. He's right. somebody mm-hmm. who's just going there and just be a hooper and not just kind of be a robot. Mm. Perfect. Yeah, that's Love it. Where you want? That's the sales pitch. <laughs> um. Hey, I I wrote this question out. How many times has Jerry McNamara uh, made you watch clips of him in the 2006? <laughs> I, I, I've been wanting to ask Syracuse players this because I just, if I'm Jerry, Mag- I just assume Jerry McNamara just sit you guys down. You're like he's like, all right, film session, Elijah, and then he starts playing his clips. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know how that happened. No, that's, that's honestly the opposite of what Jerry McNamara is. Uh, he lets the pass really. in the past. He's really big on teaching. He's, he's such a he's really good at what he does. Uh, he's one, actually one of my good friends, you know, the whole coaching staff. So um, no, Jerry's never done that. <laughs> um. Yeah, <laughs> he's a really good guy. Really, really great coach. I hate that about guys who are great at basketball. They, mm-hmm. they uh, if I was Jerry McNamara, I would never stop talking about. I thought that was the whole reason he like is on Syracuse's staff, so he can yeah. walk around and just like go to restaurants and be like, "Yeah, Hi, I'm Jerry me? McNamara. Uh, <laughs> yeah, remember in case me? You forgot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's crazy. Um, anything else, Tate? No, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, Elijah, is there any, like, you know, obviously we can't talk about specific teams, but did you mm-hmm. grow up? You said you were an NBA fan. Was there anyone right. that you were saying, like, you know, my dream would be to play for, you know, the Chicago Bulls or whatever right. that franchise may be? Was there, was there anyone out there? Was it a New York team? I've always been a, I've always been a LeBron guy, whatever LeBron is. Oh, nice. That's, I'm, that's who I am. I'm a LeBron bandwagon guy. So oh. Whatever he ends up, that's who I'm rocking with. So now I got okay. a bunch of Lakers shirt, a bunch of Lakers shoe, a bunch of Lakers everything. That's what nice. I am. I, I wonder. Is, yeah, this is a good it, career move. Just follow LeBron <laughs> yeah, around. Like, just say like wherever he goes, yeah. I will go. Just Elijah, like, let's get you. LeBron fan. Let's get you the Shabazz Napier treatment, where LeBron was like trying to move heaven and earth to get yeah. Shabazz Napier on there, but then, but then he ended up like leaving the Heat. Right? Wasn't that the Shabazz <laughs> yeah. Napier? Yeah, like that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was tweeting. He's like, I want Shabazz Napier on my team. And the Pat Riley's like, All right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a recent thing. I mean, I I must be of a different generation because like guys of my generation have favorite teams. I feel like Elijah. Right. Tate, are you the same way? Like you have uh, players. Uh, I mean, that's yeah, kind of like the that's the yeah. new wave of guys. Did Kobe yeah. start that? Is that a Kobe Lebron thing? Where guys, uh, I don't know. That seems. I to started be with works Jordan, today. but you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it is. <laughs> guys, just like players. Uh, Elijah, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate no it. As Tate said, uh, you got the Syracuse media machine behind you. One, one little mm. piece of advice: wherever you get drafted, I, I, I want to throw this out there for you. Uh, befriend the social media 
guy for whatever team you're on. This is this mm. is something. I, this is my advice for all the young players because mm. then that guy will start tweeting about you more often, and then yep. the fans will love you more, and then like it'll just it'll just give you like the boost you need, and like right. you know. Yeah, like, so that, that's favorite. my advice. That's awesome. Like, that's do awesome. that. So, like, figure out <laughs> the, who's running. The like, the kid more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if you get drafted by the Magic or something, like, go find who runs the Magic social media and uh, just kind of like warm up to him. And then suddenly right. he's going to be tweeting more about you, and like, you know. And then the fans are going to be like, "I like Elijah." So there it is. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my advice. I appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All Thank right, you. thanks, Elijah. No appreciate problem. It. Thank you, guys. Today on Titus and Tate, we have a special message from Dell. They're offering you massive discounts on the best XPS and Alienware computers with Intel Core processors for Black Friday. You're getting early access to a curated selection of premium tech like Samsung TVs. Plus, there's free shipping on everything. Yes, everything. Whether it's work, school, or fun, Dell has you covered. Call 800 by dell or go to dell.com slash Black Friday for up to $400 off. That's 800 by dell All right, thank you to Elijah Hughes for joining us. I'm rooting for the kid, Tate. He's a uh, late first rounder, early second. Those are the guys to keep an eye on. Those are the guys that are hungry. Those are the guys with the chip on their shoulder. Um, yeah. Those are the guys that we love to see succeed. You know, those are the guys that they show, you know, two years into their career. They're like, this guy ended up going 33rd mm-hmm. in the draft. A lot of people thought that he wouldn't translate, but look at him now. And, uh, you know, the Draymond Green story where he names the 34 people drafted in front of him. That, that whole thing, that would be... Mm-hmm. A situation for Elijah Hughes, but yeah, we appreciate him coming on the show. And he's I apologize for asking him about ECU like five times. So, you know, he's just gonna have to deal with that. Yeah. Also, Elijah, if you're listening, I apologize for asking you about scoring 34 points against Virginia. I just felt like I was prepping yeah. for the interview and I was like, I can't not bring this up. I mean, yeah. for God's sakes. He was like, I forgot about <laughs> that. Uh <laughs> I blocked that out thing. Uh all right, let's wrap this thing up. What else? What else do we have to do today? Is yeah. That it? Yeah, I mean, basically the final note that we had, we did this segment. We said we'd do updates, so we might as well do updates. We have to live up to our word. That's what we're supposed to do on this program. Uh, and we asked the simple question, who is America's team? The Dallas Cowboys. We, we oh, gave, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we, we do need to do this. Duh. Yeah, we, we gave we gave our reasonings as to who we thought was and were the, the America, America's team's candidates. Uh, uh-huh. The Dallas Cowboys, you know, they are obviously the talk of the town in the football world. Everyone's like, what's going on with Dallas? They don't have a quarterback. They had a guy, Pat Danucci, playing for them last night. Uh, a ridiculous character. One of the funniest football games I've ever watched in my life. Carson he, Wentz and Danucci both, like, they're the I didn't realize professional quarterbacks, their blind side could be right in front of them. Yeah, like Car- most people, it's your <laughs> yeah. back, wherever your back's pointing toward. As it turns out with Carson Wentz and Danucci, your blind side is literally every side. Because they were just getting they were holding on the ball and then they get speared and they're like, Oh shit, I didn't see that guy coming. You're like, how do you not see that guy coming? He's he's running right at your chest. I don't it, understand. It, it looked like a glitch in a video game with both of them where Carson Wentz like just is staring at a guy and it feels like the button like won't make him move and he just yeah, gets yeah. like wrecked and the ball gets ripped out of his it, hands. Yeah, you're right. It, if if you if that happens on a video game, you're yelling at your brother, you're like, I swear yeah. to god, I hit the yeah. button. It just yeah, restart it. it, restart <laughs> it. We gotta restart. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, so yeah, that was that was what we've been watching uh, in the NFL world. You and I watched all the games together yesterday, and so yeah, we, we have a fr- we have a fresh take on what uh, America's teams look like. I'm just going to go ahead and ask you in your current iteration yeah. in Week Eight, who was America's team? Yeah, we said we do that. So we did this four weeks in. We said we revisited a Week Eight. Uh, yeah. Good call here. So uh, my my criteria, as you might remember, I said no blue bloods, no big yep. markets, uh, and you can't be under 500 this year. So that eliminates a lot of teams. It leaves basically like the Colts and Browns and Bills and Bucks and Saints and Cardinals and Titans and Dolphins mm-hmm. and Raiders. I think those are the ones that I go with. 
Uh, so to me, there's only two choices. Um, based on my the criteria that I just laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, either the Bills or the Buccaneers. To me, there's a massive drop-off after those two. I am still sticking with the Buffalo Bills, especially because it might just be recency bias, but they have. They, it felt like they drove the final nail into the coffin of the New England Patriots. Uh, it might be the Bill, the, the Bill Belichick era New England Patriots, by the way. The way people are talking now is like, mm. Bill might just hang him up. Bill might just realize this isn't for me anymore. I don't like losing. I might be done. I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, watching the Bills beat the the Patriots and our buddy Kyle just <laughs> absolutely heartbroken, yeah. watching his soul exit his body as Cam Newton was fumbling the ball. Um, but I think that's what America. To me, like uh, the demise of the New England Patriots is sort of the story. So it depends on. So you take that, and then you can then apply that logic to either the Buffalo Bills, who are going to supplant the Patriots in the AFC East. Or you apply it to the Buccaneers, who obviously have uh, Gronk and, and Brady, um, and it's it's kind of a toss up in that regard. And the way I see it, but I'm putting so I'm putting the Bills at one still because uh, they are the downtrodden franchise in the NFL, and I think mm-hmm. everybody everybody wants to see the Bills win. That's really it. It's like the, the question for me, America's team is: if your team sucks, your team's not going to win the Super Bowl. Who do you want to see win the Super Bowl? And I feel like the answer has to be the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I think, you know, with the four Super Bowl appearances where they get no Super Bowl, there's a lot of people that have that, you know, soft spot for Buffalo and the Buffalo Mm -hmm. Bills. And then if you know the history of the Chargers coming from Buffalo and the cursed franchise that is the L.A. Clippers, then you have even more sympathy for Buffalo. If you know anything about the O.J. Simpson trial, you have sympathy for Buffalo. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. a million reasons why you're just like, I... If you've been to Buffalo, (laughs) you have sympathy for Buffalo. Yeah, you're like, this is Buffalo. And uh, so I... We should should get, uh, uh, by the way, Greg Oden. Is a Buffalo native. A lot of people oh, wow. don't know this. I didn't yeah, know that. Greg Oden uh, was born in Buffalo. He he was he grew up in Buffalo ish. So he's he's got Buffalo ties. Yeah. Oh, we love that. So, yeah, we, should, we should get the Buffalo report from Greg on here. So Buffalo officially moving up my rankings in America's team <laughs> yeah. just based on that. I think the last time that we regrouped and uh, tried to figure this out, it was basically we thought that the Cleveland Browns had the best shot at this. I think that Cleveland. Between the OBJ situations and you know Baker Mayfield's highs and lows, and what killed me was the Baker Mayfield. Did you see that the the cycle the the image that was getting passed around after they got stomped by the Steelers and it was the Baker Mayfield cycle. Like that, that kind of just killed the Browns' momentum. I think everyone is passing that around and being like, "Oh, this is so true. This is what the Baker Mayfield experience is." And I think people want off the Baker Mayfield train at this point. Yes, so the, exactly. The Browns have kind of. Yeah, I, so, I put the Browns at number six on my power rankings. They so were number two last time we did this. So. They're out. They're out. The Browns are out for me. The other team that I had on there was Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. They are obviously out because Cam Newton got COVID. This is not Cam's fault. Uh, he's doing the best he can. He is obviously not healthy. If you if you if you watch the game, you can tell he's not healthy. Uh, no, he was healthy the first three quarters. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, when, if when it's a good if it's a good play, healthy. healthy. It's not yeah. bad. Bad, COVID, bad. The, the, when he fumbled, his COVID was acting up again. Man, I couldn't believe that. He coughed right as he came down. <laughs> he it coughed it up. <laughs> coughed up the ball. Yeah, it was COVID. So, uh, but they're off the list. I do think DK Metcalf said this, and he said, you know, we got Russell Wilson's MVP train back on the tracks. And I think that Russell Wilson's MVP run, uh, I just saw him dress up as Busta Rhymes for Halloween. Russell yeah. Wilson is checking all the boxes of being America's quarterback. And if you have America's quarterback, then you can be America's team because you're on TV all the time. I think he's going for his MVP this season. I think DK Metcalf has the athleticism to draw the eyeballs like a Megatron type situation. Yeah. So the casual fan says, 
hey, I want to watch Russell Wilson and this guy. This guy's unbelievable. He also gets the ball a lot because they have Tyler Lockett and these other guys. So, you know, he has actual – he's not doubled every single time like Megatron was. Uh, so I think America's team for me right now currently is in between Tampa Bay with America's mm. other quarterback, Tom Brady, and the Seattle Seahawks in yep. the Northwest. And uh, I'm going to put Seattle this, number one right now because they're winning. I like and, it. Uh, and, I, and that's where I'm at. It's Russell Wilson versus Tom Brady. For clarification, Seattle is not on my list because I also had a uh, caveat of you can't, you can't have won a Super Bowl in the last 10 years. So that, that mm. disqualified Seattle. Um, yeah, but, but I, I liked your logic. The other thing no. I think that works in Seattle's favor is I think there's so many shitty quarterbacks in the NFL mm-hmm. that if if my team sucks, I, I almost don't want to see a team with a shitty quarterback like w- win the Super Bowl because then it's frustrating that they were the ones that um you know it's it, like like we brought up the UConn uh situation earlier like when yep. UConn when the Kimba UConn team or even the 2014 team uh when when the when the bad UConn team wins a title I feel like every other Big East team must be like those guys won it how yep. I, that how they're not yeah they're like upset I feel like that might be the case granted Josh Allen I, is not a bad quarterback so I'm not I don't mean to say that's the case about the Bills but like say for example the Dolphins who I mm. I the Dolphins made a big leap on my list this week but yep. uh if I'm a neutral fan, I don't want rookie to uh to win. I don't, I really don't want that. Like I feel like I would say I would want that, but as as two is holding up the Lombardi, I'm pissed off. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. how there's no way there's no way that that guy can win a Super Bowl before my team can. This is this is garbage. Mm-hmm. So I feel like America's team has to have a quarterback that's good, which doesn't make a lot of sense because usually you want to cheer against the guys who are better than you, but there is like a a blue blood type bias with quarterbacks in that regard. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like in the state, you didn't want no, people didn't want Loyola to actually win the national title. And so mm-hmm. we, we like the run, but then it's like, dude, if Loyola wins the national title, this invalidates the entire season. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Gene wins the national title. Yeah. We have to we have to reform the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, Clayton Cuss that. is going to be yeah. number one on McIntyre's yeah. list next year yeah. if they win the national championship. We don't want that. We don't so in that, that regard, I like Seattle for that pick because I think Russell Wilson winning the Super Bowl is something that like everyone it's it's a pill that everyone can swallow. They're like, yeah, yeah. that makes sense that 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 a guy that good won it. I'm going to I'm going to go out there right now on a limb and say this. This is a prediction. I don't do predictions, but I do think we're going to get Russell Wilson versus Ben Roethlisberger in the Super Bowl. And 2005 Redux. It's going to be basically the most hateable quarterback you've ever imagined versus the most likable. And it depends on your outlook because Ben Roethlisberger could be the most lovable on your outlook and Russell Wilson could be the most hateable. But regardless, at that moment in time, we're going to have America's team battle it off. The Pittsburgh Steelers could be America's team. And then we're going to get a, a Super Bowl commercial of Jerome Bettis and Sean Alexander sitting on the couch. Yeah, like, eating eating, yeah Tostitos. And then America learns how fat both and those then, guys have gotten. And then Marshawn walks in and goes, y'all ate all my snacks? Yeah. And then it's like, bang, Super <laughs> yeah, Bowl. There you go. <laughs> there, there's a Super Content. Bowl ad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's the ad. A million dollars. All right, so Loctate in, your Seahawks. Seahawks. I'm Bills yeah. for I'm still Bills. I was Bills four weeks ago. I I'm still Buffalo Bills. I I will probably be Bills all season until they RIP Browns until uh, they lose the wild card game or something and uh, they're out of the playoffs immediately and then I'll revisit it. Uh, all right, shout outs, closeouts. Uh, shout out to as we're just talking about football. Shout out to Justin Herbert. Uh, he is the quarterback of the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. They lost the game. They tend to do this. They get up early in games and they blow it at the end. But 
They are, he is the most fun rookie quarterback I've had uh, a pleasure of watching in quite some time. And I feel like he's under the radar and no one's talking about him as much. So it makes it even more enjoyable. And they also lose. So it makes it even more enjoyable because you're like, I'm pulling for these ridiculous losers. And they're also living up to the Charger standards. And uh, shout out to Justin Herbert. He's got he's great, great flow, too. I like that about uh, he's him. Got, dude, he's got a great deep ball. Oh, it's beautiful. Shout out to Bob Huggins, who was asked about <laughs> whether he thought the world was standing still when the big 12 tourney was canceled and his quote Tate was I've been dead a few times and they've shocked me back to life. Mm. So my perspective of the world standing still is a little different than most. Mm. Uh, just wanted to uh, shout Bob Huggins out because he is the best and mm. uh, just felt like uh, everyone should know that. So. Yeah, he is the best. And I do think West Virginia is, we we're talking about the previews, West Virginia is in every single top 25. And like, West you'll Virginia get like a little, uh, a side where it's like Bob Huggins is talking about the final four again and how he wants to get yeah. back to the final four. So that's another sleeper team to, uh, to kind of throw in the mix. Uh, I want to shout out our friend of the program, our fellow dunk contest judge, Dalvin cook, mm. uh, Dalvin cook got me so many fantasy points yesterday. And he is also the nicest guy you could ever imagine. Huge having fan of your off whites. Yes, yes. <laughs> fan of my shoes. I told him I was loud down low. He was like, I've never heard anyone say that. And I was like, that's great news, Dalvin. Uh, and we became great friends for about 30 minutes that night. But it's great to see a friend of the program succeed yet again on a national stage. And uh, shout out to Dalvin Cooking because he uh, he deserved it. That was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever done. <laughs> if you call what we do a career and uh, my career doing this nonsense, Judging a dunk contest with Dalvin Cook, where you and I hold up the six nine as soon as they show the <laughs> yeah. camera, and then the ESPN producer, the, the people producing it, <laughs> I got a text. The commercial I break, text. They <laughs> pick up our chairs and move them away from the real judges. I got a text from my friend at ESPN and said, "Are you kidding me?" And I was, <laughs> and I was like, "I think, I think we blew it." We, but, we uh, told the, we told the story, but just to remind everybody, Dalvin Cook. Uh, since you, you you shouted him out, Dalvin yeah. Cook was the one. So. Uh, Tate and I hold up the 69 thing as soon as we're on camera. Uh, they basically move our seats <laughs> over so we're out of frame so they can we, show like the real yeah. judges and cut yeah. Tate and I out. Yeah. Dalvin Cook was the one that like looks over at us and he's like, you guys are too far away. Why don't you get up? And he, he like, he, he insisted that we moved yeah, our chairs back. He used his authority to get us back into frame. And so nobody then, would tell Dalvin Cook what to do. So it was yeah. like, thanks Dalvin. So then, but then ESPN's go around was then to like do a pan of the judges and then just stop at Dalvin Cook. And as soon as they got to you, they just like peel out real quick and yeah, like rip it up. Poor <laughs> <laughs> yeah. great clips. Great clips like paid oh, money for you and I to be there to like give our scores. They're like, yeah, cut these guys out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're <It> in tuxedos. <laughs> so. Some suit was in like a board meeting. I was like, yeah, I heard uh, I heard Titus and Tate. That podcast does well with young kids with college mm. basketball. I think that's a way we can tap into the, uh, to the to the young market and get them to come into great clips for the MVP treatment and the hot, yeah. the hot towel steam bath bullshit that we we offer. And they're like, done. Get those guys there. <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> and, it's gone. <laughs> and then we're like, hey, everybody, remember the sex number? <laughs> yeah, remember people were t like were wanting to take pictures with us because they were like, we thought we were like the sex like tuxedo guys. They're like, you guys made the sixty nine joke. We're like, yeah, we, really we also we also do a podcast about college. We, <laughs> we were going around Minneapolis yeah. and people were coming up to us because we we kept wearing the tuxedos the rest of the night. Yeah. And people were coming up and they're like, they're like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan of you guys. We're like, oh yeah, how long you been listening? They're like, listening to what? Yeah, yeah. What do you oh, guys? You don't, you don't you don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, you no, guys no, no, didn't no. have a microphone tonight. Yeah, what do you mean listening? I'm a, I'm a big fan of you guys holding up the 69 thing. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, oh hey, 
<laughs> so good. That's all you can ask for. I want to shout out uh, uh, Purdue Pete. I want to shout out the Purdue uh-huh. University community. So we did, uh, we covered pretty extensively the Purdue <laughs> Pete story on last program that we did. And the Purdue community came out in full force. We're sliding into my DMs and informing mm. me that apparently this is a thing amongst Purdue Pete's. There are multiple Purdue Pete's, by the way. When you are a senior and you are Purdue Pete, you apparently are supposed to get a Purdue Pete tattoo on your ass, Tate. You're <laughs> supposed to get a Purdue Pete tattoo square on your ass cheek. And apparently the gentleman who was arrested at a McDonald's parking lot uh, did have such tattoo. Yeah. Yes. He, he had the tattoo of Purdue Pete is what the authorities are saying. So um, I just wanted to shout out the, uh, the people who slid into the DMs and, and inform me of this because that is a great follow-up to the story. Is it just written like Purdue Pete or is it a picture? Because I, I will say this. like no, having, It says, it says uh, uh, OSP and then it's a palm tree. So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like <laughs> OSP tattoo sounds a lot better now knowing that. OS Purdue Pete is what it says. And then it's Neil Armstrong on your ass actually would be pretty strong though. It's <laughs> like, you believe in pioneers? <laughs> that would be a good one. In our version of Purdue, everyone who plays <laughs> Neil Armstrong is the mascot. It's a Neil yeah. Armstrong. <laughs> Gets His Neil face. Armstrong's boot print. Like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's stepping into the, <laughs> the moon dust. He gets that tattooed right on his butt cheek. That's it. A couple more shout-outs for me. Mac football is back on Wednesday. Mm. Wanted to shout them out. Uh, everybody loves a little Maction. So I, they really should have come back on Tuesday, though, if we're all being honest. Like mm. if we need a diversion from the world at large on Tuesday night, like that would have been a perfect thing to like turn on bowling green versus Toledo. Yeah, and Trump takes credit for it. He's like, I brought you Mac football (laughs) on a national holiday. That's what we really needed was on a Tuesday, but we'll take it. It's on a Wednesday. And finally, my last shout-out, Tate, is to Stephen Izzo, son of Tom Izzo, walk-on of your Michigan State Spartans, who masterfully positioned positioned himself in the team photo. Michigan State put out their annual uh, shirtless team photo. We're, we're huge fans of these yep, on the program. Yep. We love... Uh, Tennessee is the most famous of this Tennessee, season. Tennessee, yeah. So they put it out. All the guys are shirtless in the weight room. They're flexing. They're looking really hard. Mm-hmm. And Steven Izzo is hiding behind his teammates and just kind of peeking his head around them. And I just wanted to tip of the cap to Steven Izzo because that is a masterful, masterful job. It's a, it's one of the toughest things you have to do as a walk-on. That is mm-hmm. one of the toughest things that, that is asked of you is, is you must appear in this picture but you also can't look like a schlubby because you're standing next to the best athletes on campus. I mean, you're never going to look good. Uh, So it's tough. You have to do it. You have to do it slightly too. You can't just like announce to the room, like, Hey guys, Mm -hmm. can I stand behind somebody? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's, it's tough, but uh, Steven Izzo's figured it out. So kudos to him for that. Yeah. Good guy move of the week for sure. For Steven Izzo. And I mean, just for the future like Brad Calipari had some moments where he didn't get that moment of clarity where he says, I need to hide behind somebody. He gets put on front street you don't want to be put on front street, you especially when you are the walk on, like you no. said. So, uh, a, yeah. yeah, beautiful move, Stephen Izzo. You that learn, a, you learn from the best. Learn from your father. Anything else? Is that it? That's honestly all I have. I do. Th- I, should we announce Thursday that we're going to talk about the draft and stuff like that? That's yeah, yeah, sure. Day. Go ahead. Yeah. We I can do that. Did. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Thursday, if you're listening to the podcast, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the NBA draft. Uh, give some news and notes. I mean, Titus and I. We have we have always enjoyed the NBA draft process for the fact that mm-hmm. we would watch these guys play in college basketball, and then as soon as they aren't in college basketball, they've tested the waters, they decided to swim. Mm-hmm. Titus and I now know nothing about them, uh, according to everyone else. Like they've completely changed. You know what I mean? Like they're just yeah. like they, they're now NBA instead of college basketball guys. So 
we're going to take a look at them from the college basketball lens and uh, just have a good time trying to figure yeah. out like why Pat Williams is going to go before Devin Vassell and things like that uh, in yeah. an NBA draft. And we'll have fun with it. So and Thursday, gonna, NBA draft talk. Yeah, our Thursday show is going to be NBA draft. Uh, we're also going to thump through our roll the decks and try to find uh, some some friends around the business that we know that uh, can come on and explain to us all the the, Euro, the yeah. who won Euro League? Yeah, yeah. Euro won Killian Euro League MVP. Killian Hayes. Yeah. Who That's are the, the Euro guys that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. KOC, I think, is really high on him. He's number one on his list, I think. Oh, my God. He's number one on a few together. people's lists. Yeah. Keep it in your pants, Kevin. My God. Yeah. They, they're saying he's James Harden uh, 2.0. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. I do feel like that's what people said to us about Luca, though. All right. Yeah. Like early on, yeah. like before, because we did, we hadn't seen Luca play that much. And has the seen NBA Mike draft Tate. jumped the shark, Tate? I don't yeah. Know. I I, I I think Lamelo Ball going number one is the best case scenario for content, and uh, that's absolutely that's that's all I can for. say. Uh, yeah, that that's the show. On, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, towards the tail end of the week. Also, circle your calendars. We are going to do a uh, post draft special show. I think we're planning on that, right? Like, uh, we're gonna yep. watch the draft together and then do like an emergency podcast immediately after the draft and reaction to everything going on there. So. Uh, yep. we are gonna do a little drafting, but it's it's we 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 want to get excited about the draft because we always do, but the draft is always in June. And the college basketball preseason is always in October. And now they're both in November and mm. they're overlapping and it's weird. And we want to do both. But at the same time, like we're more loyal to the college basketball preview thing. So yeah, yeah, we still want to do drafts. So that's what we're doing. We're doing, we're going to do our show, our draft show on, on Friday. So you have that to look forward to. And then we're going to have a real preview, which is us actually yeah. previewing the season and getting into the weeds and having a good time. Five so parts. I, yeah, I'm a excited five part about preview. That. Yeah. A five part preview folks is coming. A five-part college basketball preview. If you have not watched a second of college basketball in your entire life, our goal is that you will still be able to tune in on opening night and feel like you have an idea of like what's going to happen, where this yeah. thing's going, all yes. that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and just think, you get to the last day of that five-part preview, right? The last show, and you're like, man, I'm all filled in. And then you look up, and guess where you are, Titus? The golden window. And that's where we all want to get to is the golden window. We'll be in Asheville by the time we get to that point, and uh, we'll be living in the golden window. Come to my window. <laughs> yes. uh, all right, that's yes. the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you guys Friday.